are. I'm looking out the window of our studio here in Rochester, New York. And what I see is the leaves are covered with snow. It's not Thanksgiving yet. The snow is on the ground, which means it's going to be early ski bumming this year, which means the Athletic Podcast will make its way around New York State and Vermont very quickly to indulge in much downhill splendor. So today, we have a very good episode. As far as I'm concerned, if you are a ski bum, you should enjoy this. We have a round table of several generations of skiers from New York State. I'm going to start with the introduction of Aaron Cook, who's calling in from Whiteface area again, and the Whiteface Terrain Park rat, Aaron Cook, is with us. If you'd say hello, Aaron. How's it going? He was with us a couple episodes ago. We had him back quickly because the ski season is going to be on us faster than we think. And there's a lot of changes going on at Whiteface. We want to make sure everybody knows about it before you pick where you're going this year because Whiteface needs to be on your destination for this year with all the changes. So we're going to get back to you in a second there, Aaron. So we also have Eric Miller in the room, who is a local entrepreneur. I'm going to let him introduce his company. But Eric, uh, I was introduced to because of a new business I'm about to form. Uh, and he uh, knows a lot, a little bit about the cannabis industry and New York State, uh, as well as uh, uh, he's just a good old boy skier. So as soon as I found out he was a skier and we are in similar businesses, I want to make sure he was on for this discussion. He's been skiing longer than I have. But um, So Mr. Miller, please introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, man. Well, Rochester born and bred. Um, I've been skiing since I was two, so I got 34 years under my belt. Um, love it. That's like my first and foremost. And I pretty much did what I could basically to ski um but uh and you you own empire empire state uh smoke shop is that correct yeah a few years back um you know i uh (laughs) you know i went to school for uh printing i went in the printing industry for eight years and then finally said heck with this i'm out and uh my father-in-law everything just lined up and the two of us started empire state smoke shop and uh you know we just put it together and there it is we've been going four years uh yeah, four years this November. So, so what what are you selling at the shop? Just so people know, and you're on Lyle Avenue in in Greece, or I'm sorry, in Gates. In, is in Gates, yeah. Um, you know, it's uh basically what you'd find in a head shop. Um, but uh, we try to do a lot more. Um, we're real big on CBD. We push that a lot, uh, and we try to just change things up a little bit. You know, I felt like when you walk into a head shop, you you feel like cattle. You herd it in, herd it out. And uh, I really wanted to just bring like that Sam Walton ideal to it, where you're, uh, you know, you're you're greeting people at the door, you're talking them through what they're looking for, you're educating them, and then you're going out and finding products that you're not finding in head shops, and you're just bringing a whole totally different feel that you're not finding in stores in in New York. That's what I loved right away when I went in a shop. And of course, that's why I have them on here because everybody knows the reason why I open every podcast is the reason why is we meet people uh, and, you, and you know it's for a reason. And it was no reason. Obviously, skiing was the main reason I met Eric, I can tell. But he knows <laughs> a lot about this industry and he's looking to help people and making sure um, they're not just spending money and, and they're getting what mm. they need, uh, which is a big thing because you, you need to have people you trust uh, in any walk of life. Uh, and then the last member uh, of our circle here today would be Mr. Spencer Lane, who is very special and near and dear to me. He's been with me my whole life. Uh, no, I can't say that. I've been with him his whole life, which he wishes at times I'm sure I'm not. Uh, but this is my son, and he's been a ski bum since an early age as well. So, Spencer, would you say hello and uh, just tell people where you're in from today for this Thanksgiving holiday? 
What's up, guys? I'm Spencer. Uh, right now, I'm in from University at Buffalo, coming in for Thanksgiving break. Um, I just got in last night, so I'm happy to be on the podcast right now and talking to the voice you hear every week. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. That was very nice of you. So, Aaron, I want to hear about Whiteface because I've been seeing some pictures from up there, and I see snow. And if I'm not mistaken, the terrain park actually has features on it. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, that's our early, early, uh, early park. We always set up on Lower Valley. Uh, but uh, I was actually just talking to the boys today. They're pushing up some little jumps for opening weekend over on Broadway. Um, as you may or may not know, we had some new snowmaking technology installed at Whiteface. I briefly talked about that earlier, and we got. Uh, so the new snow that's coming out of those uh, is, uh, from what I'm gathering from the cat drivers, is it's uh, it's pumping out. So we're going to be having not only a lot of natural snow, but we'll have a lot of good man-made. And uh, from what I gather, the whole lower mountain of, of Whiteface will be open uh, starting Friday. And, right uh, and that will be right on. open uh, Friday. We'll be going until closing. So uh, we start our big... Uh, big weekend i got obviously this week after thanksgiving on friday what what how much snow accumulation are they uh are you uh, do you think you've seen up there so far oh they were we were skiing powder the first last weekend was the first weekend it opened we were skiing a lot, a lot of a uh, lot of people skiing a little bit off pissed uh, and uh getting getting some good uh good good turns early season it's kind of unbelievable almost almost right where we picked left off in last april as we, we kind of left in a snowstorm in April uh, as our last one of our last weekends, um, I remember. Late season was great last year. Late season was phenomenal. It was, it, it's just, I, and uh, this season starting out very strong, um, very very strong. And we, we they've been we've been pushing a lot up there. Not and when I talk about we, I'm talking about the groomers, not just the park, putting including everybody. How does the peak look uh, as far as accumulation up there? Oh, there's a lot of snow up there. There's a lot of snow. You can you can play around uh, a lot almost anywhere uh, this early, but I don't recommend it uh, unless you got some beaters on. Um, but <laughs> skins get you up there. So uh, real quick, so uh, I know a big thing for this year for Whiteface was the expansion, the widening of some of the trails. Can you talk yeah, about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah they they widen. Uh, the first trail they got, we got to see uh, get a little bit w uh, wider was um, uh, Brookside, and uh, and uh, it's a lot wider. So we, we're going to probably be able to put safely uh, three three features across across the board. So we'll just a bunch of almost like three pack kind of set up. So you'll have lots of options and in different ways. Usually we set it up so it has a uh, kind of some funky little flows little side hits and all that kind of fun stuff that goes with parks so we can not look at it linear and look at it from all angles that's fun no my son he's better than me uh, and i think i heard him say to someone earlier today that i was a i'm a wimp in the park or i was when he was younger so he didn't go in the park a lot when he was younger so i was being blamed for that but uh, so what you're saying by being able to go three wide, it's going to probably make it a, a little bit better for families to go through there too. Cause I'm sure you're going to have different size features a little bit. I mean, they're going to be medium and large, I'm sure, but. 
Yeah, it'll be mostly, usually Brookside is more of our, we try to, we've been trying to keep that more of our larger park, although it's kind of hard because everyone kind of bottlenecks in there and a lot of families and stuff want to go through there and, and check it out. Um, but uh, it, it most likely you know, it will be a little bit safer and, and we're excited for the fact that uh, um, for our, our, our jump, our jump spaces too, for, for landings, it's always nice to have nice wide landings so we can get a uh, couple, couple lips up there for the jumps. That's excellent. So I asked you the last time you were on about the science of building jumps. Right. Is there an exact science to it? Do the groomers know like approximately how many feet to build takeoffs for certain landing areas? Can can you talk to us for like eight hours about how you guys design <laughs> terrain parks and jumps? Because to me, I, mean, I want to be able to figure out how to pick speeds to go into jumps. Because I feel like I can, like I told you before, I can handle the bigger jumps if I know the speed going into it and comfortable. So, so help us with this. It, it's funny, um, growing up, uh, like trying to hit jumps, you know, watching, uh, what the guys were doing out West and stuff. And we didn't have any of that around here. So we had to really just kind of come up with it on our own. And I remember going down, like, what is it? Uh, ski Valley down, uh, past Bristol and, uh, going back down there, uh, oh. and like building jumps. Uh, no, not, not all the way to Hunt Hollow. It's like right down the road, a closed resort. And we okay. build jumps back oh, there. Right. Yeah. I remember building just booters back there and like you're talking like 50 foot jumps and it was just like okay how, how fast are we gonna go and who is the guinea pig that day and you just went for it and there'd be a couple people impacting pretty good before you figured it out and oh man and nowadays it's like you come into a park and you just line up and you, you know where to start and it's so nice because you just go you know you know you're gonna land if you got a good landing like things work out but i've impacted way too much on jumps and and i wish i was 15 again holy smokes like i'd love to be out there in the in the parks these days that's true so what erica is describing is bristol mountain we're lucky here aaron we have a 1200 foot vertical here bristol mountain which is the most between gore and the rockies and around that and around that there's a couple ridge lines that are pretty uh, just as good and what he's saying is ski valley is this little closed place a little south of there that I, I forgot all about until you just mentioned yeah, it and he's so you basically made them what by hand i mean you guys shovels oh, yeah. and just like you go down there throw up some yeah. snow fence um and just start packing snow into it just make pack a runway. it pack it pack it yeah, yeah make a runway and just you know go and that's for the way it. aaron like, described his college days like that remember aaron that was a great story you told so, <laughs> yeah. so more about the train park, Aaron. But yeah, so these kids now, what we're saying is, luckily, they have these Armada skis, they have these line skis, they have these great bindings, <laughs> and now they got these stuff that you are designing, and how are you designing it? Um, well, uh, uh, well, there is a method to the madness, but it's mostly madness, and you hope it works out. Uh, we still, um, believe it or not, we still use the quote-unquote guinea pigs. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely... Uh, a guinea pig for the park for, I mean, when I was 15, I still was a guinea pig for the park up till uh, last year before I broke my leg. I, I was, I was, I was the guy that tested all the jumps. Um, cause I, I was a, a, one more for the airs. So when we build the jumps and stuff, uh, we got the cat and in, in our cat that we have, we have this neat cat that's got uh, the, it will tell you the angle uh that you put on your um on your lip like when you're when your tracks are when you're pushing the jump or whatever it may be your lip or jump whatever you want to call it um uh you can you see the angle uh so you really 
Um, I, I, I'm not specific on the numbers, um, but I want to say, you know, we, we get try to find that uh, spot. And the big thing is is trying to have a nice long landing. That's really more important than than the science of, of the lip, I think, is just making sure you have a safe landing because uh, you don't want it too short. You don't want it also too flat. Uh, and that's a, a problem we've had is, is making our landings too flat. And, and we have nowhere to really winch, uh, which is what they do a lot out west is they'll, they'll winch their their uh, their landings, um, which which makes them a little bit safer. And it doesn't give you that shin bang that you used to. So, so when you say winch, that means that means you're hooking up the cats to something, so it's a little of a steeper pitch, angled pitch for the yeah, landing. So that way the cat, yeah, the cats can only push so much um, coming uh, down to up um, before it, it, it won't push anymore. Um, so once you get that winch cat, that that kind of that's going to be able to, to allow you to, to climb steeper areas. And that's actually how we do a lot of the our steeper trails. Like uh, um, we'll talk like the mogul one, like wilderness uh, skyward and stuff like that. When that gets groomed, that's all has to be done by a winch um, and, and stuff like that. But a lot of the places out West, they do that with, uh, and even we have done it uh, at white base and getting them steep. But I mean, there's there's also new ways that our cat drivers are are learning. I was talking to Josh Josh Wagner and about uh, he's our our main guy that that's been pushing the jumps on and off for the last you know six seven years. Um, so he's he's gotten very very good at building jumps. I'm I'm really happy with with where he's built jumps. We we did that huge shoot for Ski the East. Which that was that jump was a. Uh, you can probably find that on um, on the internet uh, somewhere. Uh, they came out west, or came, uh, and we built a really big, huge jump. And it was unfortunately like the the week before I broke my leg, so I never got to participate in that 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 little shenanigan. Uh, but um, when we built that, that that of course we, you you needed to have a lot of speed, and people were actually getting brought in with a snowmobile. But that was more the more of the professional or the higher, bigger jumps. Now the jumps like the one we will be set up this weekend uh, will be more small, medium, medium sized jumps. I mean, you might be able to get start to get your spins back. Uh, I'm hoping that they they uh, they have a little bit of pop to them, and we'll find out about that. But uh, I, I all jumps are different. I've I've um, I. I I hope to. I wish I could have had a better answer for you. Um, well, that's good. But, uh, so 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 no, it's all about how the weather hits this year, how much snow you have, and and what you can build with what Mother Nature. We can and, build it. So, yeah. yeah. Are you excited about the new are the new guns? Is everybody in the train park or in general the mountain excited about the new gun or the, the new whole capacity? Mountain is, is so excited. Uh, now, what those guns are? Uh, it's not really the guns that they, that mm -hmm. that we're excited about. It's the new pipes we got. The new pipes allow for more water 
to go through. So therefore it allows more volume of, and more snow. So um, I've been, uh, you can follow at Eric Roscoe 41, I believe it is. You can find him. If you follow his story on Instagram, he'll be uh, pushing snow every day. And he gets, he just is, he's, he's back in his happy place. I called him and talked to him for a, a good half hour to kind of prepare myself for, for today, talking about what he's, what he's up to and what they've been doing. So Broadway is the, I'm just kind of going to educate some people about Whiteface before they get there, maybe. Uh, so Broadway is usually the run that you have the smaller and medium-sized features on. Is that correct? That's correct, right. Um, and I liked that last year. And I did Off-Broadway off, off Broadway down to that. It was good, too, because you left that natural on Off-Broadway last winter. Um, and that was yeah. a nice cut over to Broadway. Uh, and there's some little um, nips there's on the side of Broadway. Yes. Sorry. So, no, you're good, man. I love it. So, so Broadway. What are the train park? Uh, the trails where the train parks uh, are uh, in for people to look for in Whiteface. Tell them what to so, expect in each run. Um. So we got four parks. Um. We have over at Kids Campus. We usually have. It's. It's typically for the last two years it's been all snow features we've, we've we have put smaller little boxes to get kids used to sliding on plastic and and uh, I'm, I'm sure we might do a little bit more with that this year or at least i'm i always try to stoke out the kids especially when i got my little four-year-old coming up so i'm hoping uh, to to get him sliding some boxes by the end of the year and, and getting excited um, and then we also have Broadway, which is would be our next size up, our our, our small, medium sized uh, trail, which kind of it's got you know usually has a couple jumps. It's got usually uh, uh, we have boxes. We, we uh, this is kind of just a funny person thing. Sometimes we call it boxway as we uh, try to put almost a couple years. We have put in every single box we've had in Broadway to get it all set up. So we call it sometimes teasing at that then we got but, our but larger by the way as a as a someone who skis it i actually like that when you guys did that and i thought it was cool because it allowed me because i don't really like rails but i do like doing box and i like hitting them different ways and and now that i yeah. feel like i'm I, i'm glad you do that so i i commend you thank yeah. you yeah, yeah so that was kind of our thought process every, every year is a little bit different we try to you know not not do the same thing obviously but uh and um uh, then we got Brook, Brookside, which is our large park um, where we, we typically have our, uh, I guess you could call it money booters if you, if you, if you, if you would uh, if you would like. So that uh, would be the stuff big, that Spencer probably would like to hit this year, but Eric and I would like to hit in our minds, but we really we can't. I'm done. Yeah, but that's where Spencer would probably call you a wuss because you just, or he'd probably give you a camera or something to film him, or I don't know what to, what what he's up to. But, <laughs> uh, um, you know, because that that's where we also put our uh, more difficult rails, like you'll find usually our our more kinky rails or or, or uh, flat downs or or even. Uh, uh, we had one rail called Cinco de Kinko, which I hope uh, we get back to life this year. Um, has uh, a bunch of five or six kinks in it uh, that my good friend Dylan Caldrone built. Um, so we're hoping to keep that going and, and all that. Well, I just bought Spencer a pair of Armadas, so I don't want him going on the rails right now. But I like that little feature at the end of Whiteface last year when it was the little steps, the like the five, six steps with the little rails next to it. I just like jumping over the steps and made me look like I was like oh, yeah. getting mad air like, when it was like three that, feet. That, 
that's that's where I love to feel like a skateboarder and and uh, just jump over, do little one eighties or little, what they call, I guess, firecrackers. I try to keep up with all the terms and stuff. Uh, just get that. Uh, whatever you want. <laughs> it was a terrible. Anyway, and then our last park, uh, which is, uh, I guess it's considered a park, but it's also used by the racers and stuff. And uh, that's over on, uh, I guess, where the animals would be, uh, the fox and bear over, or I think it's on fox. I'm, I'm, I should know this. No, um, uh, yeah, I'm looking over there now. Fox is the main one, yep. And then usually they run the on Wolf. They usually have the border cross course. If well, I'm that's mistaken. what I'm talking Wolf. about. Wolf is where we put our, our border cross every year, and that's from um, Parkway exit to Wolf. Uh, and that's where I, uh, if anybody wants to look at past videos of mine on my Facebook, they can see me beating my son down Parkway exit from the, so the start of it is like up on a little ramp on Parkway exit. Uh, some people, the public, if it's open, the public can go right up to the start ramp and start right at the start ramp and go all the way down. Right. Aaron, am I correct? Yeah, you can go all the way. You can walk up there, go all the way down, uh, have races with your friends. It's, it's actually, that was actually where I introduced uh, one of my former partners uh, to the park. And we used to always have fun, uh, you know, having little going ups and downs. And it's, always, it's a great place to, to definitely get used to different terrain and, 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 and that feeling of, of getting speed and going up something where you're not going to be able to turn because if you turn, you're going to be stuck in a trough or you're going to be going back down. So that's a great way to get uh, start to get more comfortable with learning your speed for hitting jumps and stuff like that. It's definitely uh, starting over there. Um, I mean, I didn't have that. I was more uh, um, like building my little jumps and we'd jump over each other, see if we get three people and try to take our skis and jump them over. That was kind of the arc, how we got our back in the day or we'd find some logs or rocks or something i don't know uh but uh so i think out of the yeah. four of us i started skiing later than everybody else so spencer do you remember how old you were when you started skiing four or five six no you were yeah there. so spencer he doesn't realize that he was he was born in march so technically he was four because i couldn't do it just yeah. before he turned three because people would have looked at me weird but i wanted to get him on the mountain yeah. that second year but uh, the little he was plastic three. skis you strap around their oh boots, no just he get was he i know well he was already he did gymnastics early on so he had good body control but it was three for spencer he was three what about you eric yeah, you i was uh two or three i was born in november so um and yeah that's probably three, so right? 85. Yeah. And for you, Aaron, it was about the same, right? Where you, didn't you say you were yeah, that? Yeah, I was four or five, 1989. My uncle taught me, um, pushed me down. I have a little hill at where my house was. I mean, when I talk a little bit of hill, I mean, it's like a 50-foot, maybe 20-foot hill. And I kind of pushed, fell down that, and then eventually moved to the T-bar and the chairlift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but 1989 is when I started. Uh, 1989. So I was, uh, sixth grade for myself. So I'm definitely the latest of all of us, but it, it is ingrained in these three guys talking about the skiing yeah. stuff. So tell us, um, can, we talked about the slides a little bit last time, Aaron, uh, we talked about top to bottom runs, but I want to talk about like, uh, cause Eric's got a young son now who's skiing. You got a young son and me and my, my son have skied a long, long time. And Whiteface is one of his favorites, Goran Whiteface. Uh, and I'll let, so let's talk about actually trail designations. Black diamond versus blue square versus green circle. A little bit pertaining to white face. And Eric, you've skied white face, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I just want to clarify that. But all right. So the Wilmington Trail specifically. Should yes. that thing really be a blue square? So and describe where the Wilmington Trail is and describe it for people a little bit, Aaron. And I will so too if you want me to. Trail, I guess, is um, 
That didn't trip for me. When I was growing up, that wasn't there. Uh, when I moved back from my West travels and came back, I was like, what is this going on over here? Uh, so, yeah, they call that the blue square. I mean, there's parts of it that are, are definitely a little bit steeper and, and, and maybe intimidating as they do have some pretty... It promotes skill uh, development. <laughs> Spencer, yeah. what do you think? So, uh, Spencer, do you remember how old you... Uh, wait, wait a minute. Let's, does anybody know off the top of my head when the Wilmington Trail was created? Or remember? It's, I mean, it's a new... It's, so it is uh, that ridge line, and I'm trying to get the name of that ridge line right now. I'm driving me crazy. Uh, the Lookout Mountain. Yay. Yeah, Lookout Mountain. Jeez, it took um, me so long to get that. So Wilmington yeah. Trail comes off the top of Lookout Mountain. Um, right. And and then on the side of it is the glades, the Sugar Valley glades, I believe, right? Yes. And I've never gone in those. I've never gone in those once. We need to do that this winter because I don't understand how to go navigate those. Um, but yeah, so the Wilmington Trail comes off the top of Lookout Mountain, and the other trail is Hoyt High, which is a really cool trail. Spencer and I have done that. Um, yeah. I, we'll talk about, so talk, let's talk about Lookout Mountain, Aaron, please, from your perspective. All right. I. I mean, I get up to Lookout Mountain whenever I can. A lot of time I'm working and there's no park up there, uh, so I don't get up there too often. Um, more of my days off. But, uh, yeah, I love that little area. That's how I get into one of my favorite slides as well. Slide number five is my favorite. Uh, that There you can cut, hook on the uh, little footpath, and, footpath trail that goes up there if you're hiking during the summer. That's the trail you could hike up. Hike up. But also... There's, it's a lot of fun in there. There's a lot of uh, really fun terrain all right over it that you can get from Lookout. Not only uh, Wilmington Trail, but uh, like you said, Hoyt Rand's Last Stand. I don't know if you got in there. Um, I don't know if it was open last year, but I, I got in there a couple years ago, and that's some really, really good glades. I was probably the tenth person in there. Um, one one year and Rand's last stand. I don't even see that on here. It's, last it's, it's actually the newest, the newest trail they made it. Um, uh, so I don't know if you know. You're you're saying Hoyts and and, and Rand and 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 Parents. Yeah, and look out below, and I haven't done that one yet. That one scares me. Have you done look out below, Eric? I couldn't even tell you. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to so cut the, you off, Aaron. The, sorry, I'm going a little bit more history. Uh, we got Rand's last stand, Parents, uh, Hoyts. Uh, these are all uh, old general managers. Uh, usually after uh, you retire from being a general manager, the mountain uh, builds a trail dedicated to you. And the, the last person to retire was Jay Rand. So they built Rand's last stand uh, just last year or two years ago. And where, can, how do you get to that? Can you? I can't see it on the map. So. Um, that's off Hoyt's High, I believe. I got a. I don't have a map in front of me. Okay, all right, that I, would make sense. Yes, I think now I remember. All right, so uh, that must be just a little glade off of there, then, right? Yeah, it's just it's a little glade that that that's over there. Um, that puts you. It puts you like uh, right at the bottom. Oh man, it, I, I call it chair six. I don't know what you guys call it. That's the one that gets you up to the top. I see it cuts off the, I'm sorry, we got it now, the right shoulder of, at the end of Hoyt's, uh, I'm sorry, of, um, not the chair, of Hoyt's High. As you come down, there's a little pitch off now to the side. Oh, that looks like fun. Oh, it's so much fun. It's it's a lot of fun in there. You um, you want to get there early, though. You want to get there before the people get it, but uh, um, it's, 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 a good, it's a good time in there, and uh, um it's, it, they, they did a good job uh, uh, kind of thinning that out a little, uh, like I said, 
And that's a runout for pro- is that the runout also for um, slide six or five that you were describing? Yeah, it's a, it, you come out right in that runout. Cool. There. Might even have to. No, I don't think you got to cross a river. So one time I got stuck, I had to cross a river, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, but we like stories like that. Cause that so, Eric, um, have you skied whiteface top to bottom? Uh, yeah, but it's honestly been so long that my memory of uh, what's going on up there is, uh, you know, it's kind of a shame. It's a wash in my head right now. How old are you? So when you I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even tell you. Um, it's been a long time. So you went with your family then? You, so, when you were young. Uh, uh, some buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means he had a good time. If my, he doesn't have yeah, everything in my mind throughout the years is uh, starting to become just a total wash. Uh, <laughs> there's just key moments in my life that I remember, key turns and that I've made in skiing, and it's usually those turns I remember versus what I did the entire trip. So <laughs> now, Aaron, are you thinking since you're not since uh, are you thinking you're going to get more time with your son on the mountain this year? Oh yeah, uh, actually, we just got some skis for him the other day. Um, some, uh, K2, I don't know, uh, Comanches or something. I, I, I got a kick out of the name, little, little small, little, uh, little, little skis for them. We've got to get them some boots. Um, uh, full tilt makes these kids boots that are great. I, I'm not a full tilt rep, rep by any means, but they make these, uh, uh, boots for kids that adjust. So they kind of, uh, you don't have to keep buying new boots for the for the first, you know. Ooh, that's a great seven. concept because yeah. that's and I yep. actually was going to say that during the episode at some point was a good idea is always to rent boots every year or you know in skis you kind of can have a couple years and rent boots yeah, and so. buy skis. But the, the tell yeah tell us about the what what's the name of them? Uh, they're full tilts. Uh, actually, um, what Andy Perry was actually the guy who told me about that. Uh, a few years ago, we had the line traveling circus come through Whiteface, and I got to ride the chairlift with them. And we were talking a little bit about how I got a little guy, and he was telling me I should get these boots. And I had never heard of them before, and uh, they're just, just uh, these full tilt boots that kind of uh, grow with you. I think I forget exact number of what size, but I think it goes up uh, maybe four or five sizes. Um, for kids, for for top, for like small children, I'm talking like three to five years old. You're not gonna have to buy ski boots for for two hundred bucks. That's not a bad deal. I think that's what they were when I looked at them. Yeah, last. That's, that's reasonable. And you know, they're boots you can control. You can dry them out. You know, they're not packed out. You know how the previous people use them because you're usually getting used boots for the poor kids at at that age. <laughs> you can't buy new boots every year. For yeah, them. and it's, the problem is it's not so bad that they're used. It's bad that like. You know, um, I used to work at a ski shop and it was like, just throw them in anything. Does it fit on their feet? Like, good, go. Like, you know, how, how are their feet going to fit in there? What kind of control are you going to have? It doesn't matter. Like, you know, and that's just kind of how it goes with kids. Like, you got a pair of boots. Do they fit? I think so. Go with it. And it's good to have something, you know, the more you can get it around their foot, the more they can understand what that ski's doing underneath them and keep them from crossing and going face teeth into the snow. <laughs> So, Aaron, um, I heard, I read last year that they're looking to expand another expansion at Whiteface, where they're going to put a lift in from the kids' campus up to the top of Boreen. Do you do you know anything about that, or have you heard anything oh, about this campus? Yes, uh, we were trying to do that this year, but uh, things happened, and uh, they're actually going to uh, from kids' campus. It's going to go uh, not to the top of Boreen. It's going to go uh, a few 
just a little bit past it. They're going to actually cut some old trails uh, that used to be there. Um, as that trail used to actually go up a little bit higher, but they're trying to make it more um, family oriented on that side of the mountain and trying to trying to keep keep the the folks entertained uh, for families. Uh, as as you know, and uh, you guys might remember, Eric might remember, uh, but uh, Whiteface has got a lot of steep terrain. It's it's very much a very much I want to call it an intermediate mountain. It's uh, it's got some beginner stuff, but uh, we're also limited, so we're trying to expand on uh, that beginner terrain for for folks. I do, I believe that's good. That's exactly what the intent of it is: is to make it more fan, family friendly on that side. So it looks like next year that's going to be the case. Then now, so is it going to go on the other side of Lookout Ridge? I guess my question is: it's not going to go past Lookout, so it must. It's going to go over the ridge, though, right? That cuts it between it. Yeah, there's. Uh, I don't. It's not going to go that that far. It doesn't quite go up to boring. I don't know. I haven't looked at it in a while. I have, I've seen diagrams of it and and I've seen the uh, seen. I, I don't have them in front of me, but uh, it's it's from what I'm gathering. It's 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 going to go a couple hundred feet up past from where it is. Um, not anything. Not like to the bottom of Lookout uh, Mountain or anything like that. But okay. it, it, it will it will open up. Uh, some old trails that are kind of forgotten, which is kind of kind of exciting. Yeah, and I like the pitch uh, from the top of there too, because I think it'll help kids with a little steeper pitch leading into the flatter part of the kids' campus. That's oh, basically what it's going to add. Yeah, I always feel 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 for those ski school guys over there. Yeah, it's definitely Kidville over there, and it's flat. Yeah, I mean, you got this whole steep white face, but then, the, so just to, I mean, for those of you who have families now, you hear there is an area, really the bottom side of that mountain, you can really enjoy what width-wise uh, with kids. Uh, Spencer, what's your first memory of white face? My first memory of white face? Um, probably when me and you and Jason went up one year with two of Jason's friends. I forgot what their names were. We probably went up there. And I remember taking the gondola up because that was like the first time I think that Eric Gore was the first time I took a gondola. So that was crazy to me seeing the entire view of basically everything being on the top of Whiteface. So that was cool. And I remember going up to the actual top and skiing down all those trails and just experiencing all that. It was just a different feel from like the mountains I was used to already. So it was really cool when I first went there. Do you remember how old you were? No idea. I'm thinking he was about seven. Nice. Probably right around there, yeah. I think he was seven years old. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how early I had And he did top to bottom white face at seven. Like, what we, basically, we basically said, don't tell your mother. Yes. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. I, I am. Uh, yeah, I I know that game. <laughs> Pretty much how it always goes. <laughs> and if I brought him up there at six, he would have got up there at six. But Spencer always had good body control, so I like to tell this too. Uh, for people who have young children, there's two things I recommend. Maybe you have them do young, and you don't have to do them, have them do them for ten years, twelve years, craziness. But Spencer did gymnastics a couple of years when he was very young, and I remember he was actually the pretty 
well in his class, above average athletically to the other kids. And he climbed to the rope, I think, quicker than everybody else. Quick, the, uh, He did a couple of things quicker. I knew he had good body control. Uh, so he didn't have to do gymnastics much after that. But either martial arts or gymnastics are two really good things for young children, for body control, and just understanding your bodies to be able to do other things in life than just team sports. Uh, I, I, I That's just my opinion. My son, uh, I remember one of my cousins used to describe my son as a kid who could climb up one side of him and down the other side of him because that's what my son, son used to do. My, my cousin was like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, big guy. Um, but Spencer's always been able to do that. So he's always had good body control, which carried over to the mountain because the mountain, you're talking about a lot of angles. You're talking about a lot of different ways your body can go with different speeds. Uh, and he was very comfortable on the mountain very early on. So that's why we could bring him to the top of Whiteface. I'm qualifying that because I don't think everybody should bring their seven-year-olds to the top of Whiteface. Yeah, yeah. how'd that make you feel as a father, watching him make it down there? Oh, I was. I, I knew bringing him <laughs> up there, he was fine. You know, So I, I for me, I was very confident with my son going up that lift. Now, when you want, no, the peak chair, no, let me describe this for people. The gondola gets you up to the top of Little Whiteface. But the top of Whiteface, there's actually signs that say higher than the top of Okemo, higher than the top of Killington, higher than the top of Mount Snow. JP. JP, yeah. We are at 4,867 feet above sea level uh, where where Whiteface stands, at the where you can get the famous picture with the little mountain logo and number. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's a, it's the fifth highest peak in New York State. Um, there's if you go north up to Canada, there's no peak higher, so it's the, high, the northernmost highest peak on the East Coast. Um, which is kind of fu- uh, fun. That's a cool stat. Um, I know that. That's a new stat. Yeah, that's a stat. I learned a couple. Uh, had I always learned some stats doing that tour tour guide stuff on the and, and stuff. There's always people telling me all this kind of stuff. So, so how many I, feet I, I, is the top of the highest point you can ski at Whiteface? What's the elevation there? Because people don't realize how high it is. Um, it. I want to say it's a few hundred feet, like forty-five, maybe. Yeah, with like, maybe six. Um, somewhere between 45 and 46. And tell um, people how that relates to out west because people are like, oh, mountains out west are 10,000, 12,000 feet. What is he talking about? This is under 6,000 feet. Explain how it per- pertains to actually like like how much okay. elevation you can ski here versus out west. Yeah, so I've, I was a ski bum in Tahoe for years. Uh, and I mean, the mountains are definitely... Uh, definitely more exposed out there. There's not, there's above a tree line, which we don't really have, uh, in New York state. Um, the, but the mountains comparably, uh, a top to bottom run at Whiteface, you're not going to get that at, that's just, I'm just throwing Sierra at Tahoe in. Uh, they don't have a, a seven minute run or whatever. If you bomb the mountain, you're not going to get down in seven minutes. You could probably get down in, in a lot less than that in, in, in these mountains out west. Um, we, we just have a whole lot of uh, top to bottom. I believe our our mid station is uh, is uh, higher than the lake level in Lake Placid. Um, if you want to look at that kind of weird perspective on you, if you drill a hole right through the from mid station on, you'll you, you'll still be above Lake Placid. So, um, now you still got a lot of ski. I I, I think what is it uh, nine hundred? I don't know uh, exi- the numbers. I shouldn't know them, but uh, there's a lot. Of that. That's all right. People people can listen to the previous episode when you just spewed them out like <laughs> like you're reading from a map. It was great. Every day is different. It's all good. So. 
I, I my favorite run at Whiteface. I want to talk about everybody's favorite run in the circle at Whiteface. So my favorite run at Whiteface is to do and hold on because I want to have it accurate as heck. I like doing Upper Skywood to start with, um, and then slowing going down the mountain towards towards uh, what's that outer edge? Uh, oh, I don't want to get it wrong. And then cutting across Weber's Way down to Victoria's. Uh, Victoria, and then swooping down to um, off Broadway to Broadway, popping in there, and then coming down River or Lower. Um, I'm sorry, I like going down River Run there after the mid station. Yeah. I like hitting River yeah. Run and then popping over into Brookside and then hitting Brookside down to the bottom. That's my favorite top to bottom run at Whiteface by far. Nice, Spencer. No, what do you got? You like that? Is that good, Aaron? That's that's pretty good, right? I was accurate there. I like that. I I can do that. I can get into that. Spencer, what do you got? What's your favorite run? It doesn't have to be top to bottom. Just what's your what's your favorite runner that you like to do at Whiteface? Um, well, I don't really know what my favorite run is per se, but I always love going through that border cross course at the bottom because I I knew I could always be my dad, so I figured <laughs> I figured that was the only chance I could prove it, so might as well go through that. But it was fun, like all the. At the bottom of Whiteface, when you had like all those uh timed like trials for uh like you can go through the what's it called the, the gates like the little gates and then the border cross course and then you had like a train park off to the side so it was always nice like going right down to the bottom and having like basically options to pick what you wanted to do which was really nice. But, nice. Yeah. And I yeah. describe see Aaron he he's like my mini me because I that's exactly how I describe he didn't listen to our previous episode yet. Didn't he describe it the same way I did for our last time we talked? I love the bottom of the same way he does. All right, so uh, Eric can't remember trail names, but what do you what do you remember that you liked Eric? Eric, what did you like the most about when you were at Whiteface, or what do you remember the most that you liked? I always found um, I don't. I had fun picking out Olympic trails and just thinking about what happened on that. So like I don't know, like ripping down Cloud Spin and just knowing like you know who. Uh, what was it like 1980? The Olympics were up there, so like AJ Kit was AJ Kit in that? Was that too early? AJ Kit was like 80, uh, 84. I think he was in that Olympics, so I think he was in that Olympics as well. But like just like ripping down something like that and thinking about like holy smokes, what happened on this hill? Um, those are the kind of things that I, uh, I I definitely enjoy. I don't look for that first and foremost, but uh, you know. And a place like Whiteface, you know, it's kind of like things I look at, you know, my cousins race downhill up there. I know some of those like, you know, uh, have just absolutely flown down those hills. So it's uh, that's always neat to think about. It's like, wait, you got from here to here and how fast? Like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of neat. It's so steep to look at, especially when you go up the lift. Spencer, what was your feelings when you were going on the lift to the peak? The first time, were you overwhelmed? Were you scared? I mean, seven years old. I'm actually holding on to him. Like I got my hand. You were over more scared him. than him. I, I don't <laughs> know. That's definitely more scared. Of that's what I don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it when you're so little. What were you thinking? Coming going up to the top. Oh, I'm thinking at seven years old. I'm just looking at the mountains. I'm like, I see that bear statue that they have. I'm looking at all the signs. Like I'm not really even paying attention to the slopes, to be honest with you. But once I got to the top, like after we got off the lift, and I actually look what's in front of me and all those trails in front of me. I was like, Oh, this isn't a, this isn't something I've done before. So, so it's because it falls off right to the, yeah, it just falls off right on the edge. So it looks like you're just like staring over a cliff. 
if you're like back far enough. But like once you get closer and go over the edge, you can see it's like it's actually a trail instead of a cliff. And what I did was I went, to, you know, the first time we went, we went to Follies all the way down. You know, parents run the Follies and then we end up going Excel Street. That was his run top to bottom that we did a lot. That's my other nice run. for the, I love doing the Follies early in the day when it's not skied off. The Follies to Excelsior and then taking this squiggly way down Northway, like in, in the, you know, Excel Street and doing the Northway and cutting off the side. So what about you, Aaron? What, what do you, I know you're a train park guy and you got all sorts of different lines, but come on, tell us some of your favorite runs. So I'll just start minimal off some things. Favorite slide number five. Love slide five. So fun. I just love being able to have some cliffs to jump on the way down. And when the snow is good, it's good. Now, easiest one to access with from the gondola. I'm a, I love Empire. Um, when it gets enough snow, it's one of those ones doesn't get snow making. It's you know as wide as a a bus all the way down and there's some really good glades right next to there too uh 10th mountain division i believe i could be wrong no you're right that uh, is there you're absolutely right yeah so, uh that's got some uh i just love i love a good empire run and then you know you can kind of hang out into the woods and then sometimes i'll hang out in the woods all the way till we get into the Broadway, and then I'll, I always, that's my favorite part about Whiteface, and, and what I think makes us really kind of unique and different is when we go up chairlifts, we have, unless you're going up just the facelift, but if we're going up the gondola um, and you want to get to the, the mount, to the park, you're going to have to do some skiing. You're gonna, it's not just you're taking park laps like a lot of uh, other places in New York State uh, might have. Um, I mean, granted, you can with the, the facelift, like I said, but uh, we like to be able to ski. We pride ourselves in, in, in going fast and, and skiing. It's, and and, and I, love, I love getting funneled right down to Broadway and to Brookside. And, and if I can get a river run in between that, I'll, I'll pick it. Uh, also, I love going over Ladies Bridge. Ladies Bridge is the best jump. Oh, I love it. Oh, Ladies Bridge. You know Ladies Bridge, Ben. Oh, Boreen. So you know, it's it's hard to say what one's my favorite, but uh, I definitely have some ones I will tend to go to if it snows a little bit more. Dude, it sounds uh, like that, if I was following a skier all of a sudden on a line, it would be your line that I'd be right behind because you're naming all my fun spots that I that I like to hit at certain times of day. So the if but for those people who are just listening to this and aren't the because uh, he named the craziest line Empire is a trail that's not always open because it doesn't always have cover in there. Uh, it's, it's, it, there's boulders, there's, there's stumps, there's all sorts of stuff at Empire. So let me qualify Empire for everybody who says, Aaron did Empire. I want to do Empire. Don't bring your kid down Empire. <laughs> now Spencer's done Empire once or twice. I know one of the times I brought him down there, he wasn't very happy, but he's, Spencer would chew up Empire right now. Empire's like a perfect, it's like a, it's like a glade without trees. Yeah, I mean it's it's tight and it's fun and there's some spots to get some little airs off these it's little rock deep. It is steep too. It's steep. <laughs> it's steep. No, it's great. I love it. I love that run too. I agree with you. Uh, and that's off of approach. Um, so the easiest run, if you want to do, go to the train parks, you do want to do train park laps and you are a family, you know, and you want to go up the gondola every time, go down Excelsior and you'll be fine. Yeah. Excelsior is also one of my favorite trails of all time as well. <laughs> I love Excelsior. That's uh, some mornings. Uh, well, I, we can't do this anymore. Uh, but uh 
I've had definitely some mornings where, where uh, me and my, my compadre skiers were like, all right, we got to do a switch run to the park. And, and we, we ski backwards all the way from the top of the gondola all the way to the park down Excelsior. Uh, you guys are the nuts ones. I know who you are. <laughs> I've yeah, seen yeah. you, dude. You got those poles just sitting there, like dangling just at a certain angle, so they're out of the way, and you're going backwards. Just and and what he's talking about, Excelsior is this big switchbacks, and then they got these like big fencing around each switchback, so you really can mold it like it's almost like a roller coaster run, Spencer. How a, a bobsled run, maybe is the best way to describe it. Border cross. I yeah, want to say it's like, just a, like a border, border cross. cross. Oh yeah, border cross. Yeah, it kind of is without the junk. Can you imagine if they put the border cross on that with the with the humps? Oh, oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know when they do you know when they do a good job grooming for us when they leave those little notches on the side of excelsior yeah. that's when i love it when there's those four or five takeoffs and you know what i'm talking about you give a thank you to jeremiah murphy for those all right so <laughs> if you see jeremiah murphy the next time you know him come up be like jeremiah leave a couple of those for brian he knows where they are just leave yeah, those little nugs <laughs> oh man so hey one of the other things i want to mention about future expansion was they were talking about having some trails off of approach on the other side of parkway adding oh, a couple yeah. blue squares over there how the heck yeah. are they cutting blue squares on that side of the mountain so spencer you know you want to go up that gondola yeah you know all that that there's no trails on that side mm-hmm. they're putting trails in there can you do you can you think of a blue square that can go back there i mean it depends how they carve it i guess you don't really know how what goes what into did, that. Aaron, so. so do you know more than we do? Because I'm intrigued. Sorry, what was the question? The question was the trails they're talking about expanding on the other side of Approach, on the other side of Little oh, Whiteface. Yeah. Um, do you know how they're going to carve into them? I mean, um, Spencer and I look at that area and be like, we cannot figure out how trails are going to go in there. Um, it, it's for it's going from Approach, not down the... Uh, my buddy, special ed, Eddie Jess- Gesserick, uh, you'll find him at Smoke Signals. You can ask him about those. Um, he was actually one of the first guys to actually ski down those, and he w- and uh, him and the, the general manager were, were kind of scoping out uh, how the how the terrain is and what they'd have to to cut out there. Um, I, I have not. Uh, I don't really get to get up there too often because I'm mostly in the park. And I know there's some cat trails back there. There's some trails where the groomers can go up, I noticed, and maybe some cross-country skiers or, or maintenance trails, roads. So I see there's a couple, but I just feel like they're going to be some tough, good, rugged trails that I'm very happy for. It's going to be fun. It's definitely going to open it up for more of the intermediate skier and and, uh, and make it so it, it's not so it's a lot of wilderness and steep and, and black diamonds and stuff. Yeah, more off of approach, which is great. Yes, which is, you know, because from what approach, you, what do you get? Mountain run and wilderness. And, you know, maybe I forget the other guy. Parkway and throughway, depending on what's open with the racing over there. Yeah. Exactly. Depends on who's racing and not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Parkway is one of those um, that is tough to get to uh, sometimes, but. That's another sneaky, cool trail for people. Uh, sometimes they don't get over there because throughway, the top of throughway is closed for the racers. But just a heads up, Parkway, if you can get into the top of Parkway, that's a really nice trail down. And then it follows you over the border cross course. That's a really good run. Just be careful. It's left natural over there a lot. Uh, yes, yes. Right? Is that right, Aaron? Am I accurate with that? They don't groom yeah, it over there very often. Yep. Cool. Now, what other things, Nuggets, I want to let you go, Aaron. Aaron, you've been very... Uh, gracious with us but what else about should people know about whiteface for this winter specifically to get ready for oh just get ready for a fun time really um we'll be we'll be like i said we're starting friday 
and and it's going to be the long haul. Uh, we'll be open hopefully until May, Cinco de Mayo, like we were last year. Um, but we'll time will tell. And where can people find you on the mountain? Or, or do you usually have a certain coat on? I know you have white face gear, but if people want to say hello, I know you have yeah, specs have- usually on. Do you have glasses usually? I don't wear my glasses when I ski. I have I have a nice pair of Smith goggles. Uh, usually, I'm in my black coat, and usually, will find me mostly in the train park, probably putting up a fence or raking a lip in the morning, and uh, and trying to stay out of trouble for the rest of the day, mostly. <laughs> when I'm gonna when I'm up there, I'm gonna try and get you in trouble. So we're gonna, we're gonna work together oh, really well. Perfect. Yes, yes, sounds perfect. So we're going to let you go, sir. Um, thank you very much. All right. Yeah, happy holidays, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon up at Whiteface. My son and I, uh, we will be following the snow, so anytime there is enough uh, a foot dump, can you please give me the heads up so my son and I can come make a little trip up for a day or two during his break? Yeah, definitely. I'll grab the seat on the quad. Yeah, Eric, so I got the new, I got picked up the new uh, Subaru Outback that can fit three people and gear fine, so uh, it could be me and three people coming up to see you, Aaron. Anytime. I, it, it's like the jam circles. The more the merrier. Unless it's a powder day, then you just got to keep up or I'm going to lose you. That's right. And just so everybody goal. knows who's going up to Whiteface, because I know after hearing these two episodes of these podcasts now, everybody's going to go to Whiteface. And what I want to tell everybody is make sure you look for his band, name the band again, and follow my Facebook, That's take a link it. with them. But what's, give us a little plug on the band, brother. Yeah, Stinky Boots String Band and fun announcement. Uh, this will probably get, I hope this gets put out before December 7th up at the Waterhole in Saranac Lake. We're opening up for the Kitchen Dwellers out of Montana. So uh, we're getting really excited for that. And that should be a pretty fun night. So if you want to come out, uh, come skiing with me during the day and uh, come rock out with me uh, at the Waterhole. And uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a good old time. Excellent. If there's a foot of snow that falls that weekend, there might be a chance. Yeah, sounds perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you, Aaron. We appreciate your 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 graciousness and your information about Whiteface, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much, Brian. Be well, sir. Yes, you too. <sighs> Folks, I par- apologize. The audio wasn't great with with Aaron out of Whiteface, and I I know he was up there, and it's very tough up there. And for those of you who travel in the Adirondacks, this might be a good segue. So um, Adirondacks is very difficult for coverage up there. If you don't have Verizon and you're traveling with families going to the Adirondacks, be very wary. Spencer and I definitely experience this a lot where you are out of coverage area. And if you're in valleys, it doesn't even matter if you have Verizon. But if you have Verizon in the Adirondacks, you're in pretty good shape. If you don't, I'm going to be tell you very honestly, if you have AT&T, you will get spotty service. And at Gore specifically, in town, there's only one spot to the entrance of the ski bowl. If you are there, there's signal. It's about... How wide is it, Spencer? Maybe the street, basically. It's like 80 feet or 100 feet wide between the two valleys where you pick up signal. Because when I used to go there, I used to make sure he called his mom before we checked in to make sure we got off the mountain okay. And we had to go to the same spot at the entrance of the ski bowl to call her because it was our only reception before we went back to the hotel. True story. That's actually my favorite part about the Adirondacks. I shouldn't say that, but one of my favorite parts about the Adirondacks is my phone does not work. You drive in there, and there goes that sign, welcome to the Adirondacks, just shut it off. Throw it in the back. <laughs> I keep it in airline mode a lot up there when I know. 
especially uh, and most of my family now know and my ex-wife has been very good about all our trips i mean the whole time pretty much spencer i've been traveling um, my ex and i have not been together so she's been very i've been blessed she's let me take him anywhere anytime with whomever i want she she could care less i mean the dude went on rumor at seven years old like <laughs> you've been to gore right yeah, that's another one that oh, that was so. a long time ago. That was the first gondola I was on. Like that was bringing back memories. You were oh, bringing yeah. that up. I'm getting a lot of flashbacks right now. So like, especially talking to Aaron, um, you know, I could go into that more. But uh, no, go into, let's talk about Gore a little bit now because oh, we I'm talk a lot like, about Whiteface. Come on, come just, on. Uh, you know, Gore was one of the first places my mother took us, um, and she was like, you know what, you know, when my my parents uh, separated, she was like, you know what, I want you guys to get out, see other places. And um, so she started taking us out, which is funny because my dad's the real skier, but my mom was the one that really started taking us out to different resorts. And uh, she took us out to Gore and she's like, I want you to ride a gondola. And, you know, we got out there and that was neat. That was an experience. That's like, you know, things that started uh, opening my eyes. But, you know, Everything went crazy after that. So, now, how old were you when you went to Gore the first time? I was probably like fifteen, if I had to really think about it. He like said I was uh, I was held down at Swain for years. Um, did a lot of skiing at Swain uh, until. Now nah, I could have been like thirteen. He just took his sock, yeah. socks off and counted his toes. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> So uh, was were you overwhelmed by Gore? So the first time I went to Gore was, I think it was with you, wasn't it, Bob? Did you? Did, I don't know if Bob went with me, but I'm sorry. Bob Pye is in the room with us, folks. We're just short of microphones, so we get to keep him quiet tonight. But Bob is in the room helping us with research today. So nobody thinks Bob took the day off. We just had to silence him because he was a little loud last time. Just kidding, Robert. Um, so first time I was at Gore was my adulthood. Um, so I, as a kid, if I was there as a kid, so the red gondolas were there when you went there still, right? Yeah. Do you, what, tell me, do you remember the red gondolas or do you remember being Vaguely, inside of them? I just, you know, the feeling of being there, you know, uh, that's really what skiing is to me. You know, I could get in and talk about this for an hour is, uh, skiing's a feeling in here, what it does to me over, over anything. So, um, yeah, I could like thinking about it, I can pull back those emotions, those feelings inside me. Um, and you know, just having fun cruising around on something way bigger than I was used to. So did you get lost? I mean, did your mom ski with you the whole day? Yeah. Right. Um, was it all you guys, yeah, we was stayed it, together. Now, who was it? Now your brothers and sisters? Now we can I've got take two your sisters, family. one, two years older, one, two years younger. Um, uh, He's yeah, not the typical fairly, middle child guys. I can tell already. I am the typical. No, you're not. You're uh, not. Not uh, the typical. No, you um, got your own business. You're, you got it going yeah. on. Yeah, you're, you're, your son's a little spitfire. He's a good kid already. I like it. Yeah, they're a good time. Uh, I got two kids, three and four. Um, uh, but I right, see so the middle of three. So you were there with your sisters and your mom. So you're the you're the man watching over your sisters and your mother. Yeah, yeah. Core. That would have been a little <laughs> overwhelming so. for me. No, we just cruised around, had a good time. You know, I didn't do anything too crazy, but uh, you know. There was plenty of time to build on that. It's How many times have you been been to Gore? Do you remember? Or twice? I think I've only been there twice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that was about it. When was the last <laughs> time? Just because I'm trying to. I know. I know how the Gore has grown over the years. So I'm it's just been a long time. Okay. Um. Probably like eight years, ten years. Yeah. 
So Eric doesn't know, knows me, but doesn't know me very well right now as far as my ski history. So he's going to see a little picture and I wanted to put this out. I wish Aaron's um, line was a little bit better so we could do this with Aaron, but Aaron's a ski rat. So, but Spencer and I, I've got him, I had him on the mountain at, you know, like I said, three years old. Uh, and he, Spencer, describe skiing for you. What is it for you? Um, For me, skiing... I mean, it's something I've done my whole life, so it's something that I'm used to. It's something that I I love doing. I enjoy to do. So, just being out there, being able to basically do whatever you want on the slopes, like pick whatever line you want, pick whatever trails you want to go down, and it's freedom. It really is. That's really what it feels like, and it's it's awesome, really. Like I took my friends. Uh, skiing like the past two winters I'm teach I'm trying to teach them how to ski and they love it like I every time I bring up going and skiing again like they want to do it because like they're feeling basically what I'm feeling like they're feeling the freedom and they're feeling like just the fun that they're having the whole time so it's it's awesome just to see not only to feel but just to see it as well so it's really cool and, and when you mean see it, you mean see it, first of all, in your friends' faces that they they'll want to experience it the same way as you. But you mean yeah. see the, like, being out there in the woods and the nature and the animals. and Yeah, for sure, for sure. So this is the best part of my son is if he's with me, he wants to do, you know, every trail. He doesn't want to do, he gets bored and stuff. But with his buddies, I guarantee he'll go this slow. He'll do, like, him and I used to, like, cheer to get as many runs as we could in a day. Do we... One of our things was when we went to a mountain, we knew we wouldn't be there unlimited times. So we wanted to do every run at the mountain. So we weren't pretentious. We didn't just go to the great stuff. We went green, blue. I mean, we did the kids area in a lot of places just to get them checked off. So did you like when we did that, Spencer? I mean, it seemed like... For the most part, um, there were definitely times where we took it to an extent. But I mean, especially like when we went up to Montana, like there were so many different trails and each trail was completely like unique in its own way. So... Like, definitely for certain mountains, that's what you have to do to actually get the whole experience of the mountain instead of just riding on the main, like, three or four trails. Because it's really, once you get to know the mountain more, like, ski all the trails on it is when you actually start enjoying, like, skiing more. Because just once you get the variety of it, it's it's nothing like it. When you go to a mountain, you can be in the woods. Uh, if the conditions are right and every, all the trails are open, you can do anything for being in the woods or on groomers where you're just nice, easy train where it's, families can be very comfortable at all times. It's evenly pitched. And most mountains have a variety, different percentages. But we're going to talk specifically here, especially the next hour, just about Adirondack skiing and, and Eastern skiing because Eric's skied around Vermont and stuff. And, and how it is, New England style skiing is so... The trails, the width of them, some are wide, but they're, they're not really wide, and the pitchy, they're pitchy, and they just kind of flow down the mountains. Um, Spencer, you like having music on or not music on while you're flowing over these trails like this? I used to not like music, but once I started getting more into music, like, you need music when you're skiing, especially, I mean, if you're with your friends, obviously, you don't really need it, but it's it's nice being able to go with the flow of the music while you're skiing. It it brings like a new sense to it, to skiing basically, which is really cool. 
Do you use music, Eric, or have you? Uh, I will say no, um, and I do have reasoning for that. But uh, like, I will say like when you're like sessioning rails, stuff like that, having some good hip hop on is like dynamite. Oh yeah. Um, and there's nothing that'll get you in sync with hitting rails like just listening to hip hop. Mm. I don't know what it is. It's just like you just get going for it. But uh, as far as like just shredding. Um, I've got, I've got ADD usually as I'm, uh, you know, even if I'm like really trying to actively listen to somebody, I've usually got two conversations going on in my head and this is how I just live my life all the time. And, um, skiing is one thing that like, you know, I say the freedom, um, it doesn't matter what's going on. I'm, you know, I, I've been skiing for so long, you know, you can focus as much on your technique as you want, or you can just, you know, turn it off and it could just be riding a bike and, uh, you know, you're just doing it automatically. And it's like the one thing where, uh, I can experience true silence. Um, and I don't want that music on there. I don't need anything. I just like, I just want to be free, man. And it's like the one thing that really does it. So, so no music, no music. (laughs) I I have a well, mix. I'll sing in my head. But yeah, <laughs> I have a mix. So I actually I like listening to music, but I I don't listen to music all the time because there are runs I want to listen to nature. So if I'm really at a mountain and there's not a lot of people around me, I generally will listen to music on the lift and then not when I'm riding because I like to actually hear the birds chirping and especially early in the day and late in the day. Uh, you know, a middle part of a busy day music because other you know to drown out everything else. But one of the things about the Adirondacks is it's not always busy. Vermont, Eastern skiing, I mean, where you, it's all about skiing during the week, not on the weekends, obviously, if you can avoid it. But Spencer, we, we get lucky at Gorham Wayface. Generally speaking, are you ever mad about the lines or, or how crazy the crowds are? No, they're never that bad. I mean, when you're cold, you're just trying to warm up anyway, so get as much body heat as there is. So, But lines usually aren't that bad at either one of those places, so... Because we're okay with going on the other lifts, not always the gondolas. Yeah. So how for you, if as a kid, I dragged you around. Now, so I see some families, they drag around their kids, and the kids are happy, are happy. But I always felt like when you were with me on our trip, so basically what Spencer and I did, and we were with his sister as well until she couldn't because of cheerleading and sports and stuff. But the three of us basically went President's Day weekend, and him and I, for most part, President's Day week every year, we skied probably three to six days that week. And we were probably on the mountain, I would say, an average of 15 to 20 times a year, him and I. Over the right, Spencer, would that be about accurate yeah, per season? Probably, you know, yeah. there's ebbs and flows every year, obviously, but I would say on average, we we're on the mountain about 15, 20 times. Uh, so I've mentioned in the past, and I've been honest, I'm honest to a fault. Um, you know, my son knows I'm a cannabis user and I always has been through these trips. So I'm honest. Uh, usually we had people with us in groups. So the first thing I want to touch about is skiing in groups. Spencer, do you like skiing in general? Was it was just you and I, or with more people in general? Or I love skiing groups. I'll start with this. I have fun if there's eight guys, and even if it's different abilities, all going down together, making runs together, watching each other, you know, uh, be, hanging out. Um, sometimes groups of eight are too big. Probably three, or four, three to five people to me is a perfect group. Um, I love it. Spencer, what about you? You Spencer's been in all different. What's your favorite, or, or what do you like best? I think definitely a group scenario is probably probably the best because you get to see like you said like different types of skiers but it's just better with more people like obviously it's nice when uh you're alone and like what you said about like just being free and stuff having that peace and silence but i also like skiing with people being able to 
just laugh at if they fall or um, being able to tell jokes and stuff. But I think skiing with people just gives you a better perspective for it too, considering um, considering not everybody is at the same level, so they have different like uh, opinions, like which trails to go down. So it's it's really cool just being able to go in different groups and stuff and seeing everybody's different takes on uh, skiing in general, I guess. The only thing I think skiing with you and I at times, Spencer, for us, is it gets tedious at times picking the trail we're going to do next. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, we're easy, Spencer and I were easy about when there was conditions good on a trail, I'd be like, Spencer, we want to do it next. And him and I would gravitate to, to the trail's once you know a place, like Gore and Whiteface are our home, so it's our backyards. You know, that's that's like for most people, the, the closest mountain to your house, you know, every trail nook and cranny. Spencer and I know Gore and Whiteface that way, both those two mountains. Um, just to put it in perspective. So for us, that's a little bit different. The way we'd go about it, it can get tedious. If we're at New Mountains, it's not tedious at all because we just want to hit every different trail, right, Spence? Yeah. Uh, so that's the only thing I don't like about just having him and I is it can be tedious at places we know, but it doesn't take away from our actual runs because there's nobody I want to be next to. On a run of anybody I've skied with my whole life than this man, because I know where he'll be, when he'll be there. We know what to look out for each other. We know when we might be in trouble, like what our cues are. Like, like Spencer, talk about that a little bit. Like, obviously we've skied with other people, but you and I together, like, how is it between you and I? Just for other people to understand it. I mean, if you've been skiing with somebody for that long, you kind of get a feel for how fast they'll go down the mountain, like what kind of routes they'll take uh, with, like if you come to a crossroads with the trails and stuff, like you, you get a feeling for which way they'd go and uh, basically where they'd be on the mountain and relative to you. Like with me and him, you could tell like one person would definitely be in like toward the back one day and the other person would like be more up front kind of leading it. But when you ski with somebody that much, like you, you get a feel for what they're doing. So it's a lot better that way. Just, it gets the anxiety out. Of the question, basically. And why is it? Because we did a lot of hand signals, right? We have, we've had hand signals over the years. They've oh, changed, you had hand but, signals, just kind of waving your arm, going that way or something. Yeah, quick left, right, <laughs> stops. I mean, you know. But we also make sure we also knew, and, and this is something for you to think about too, Eric, is where the critical spots on mountains were where you could get to certain lifts. <laughs> we've always been cognizant about that, right, Spence? Like... Um, so this is a tip for other people. Like if there was a spot, whether it's a mountain we knew or not, like even at Gore, there's spots where you, there's a spot where you go one way, you can't get to a certain lift. Another way you can get to a certain lift. That's really where families or whatever have make the most mistakes is they don't pay attention to those spots. Spencer and I, usually what we would do, and I want him to qualify this, is we always made sure at those spots of the mountain, if we knew we were making runs, just at those spots, those were always natural places where we would stop to make sure we made eye contact. Would you agree with that, Spencer? And I don't think we always talked about it. I just think that's how we are. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely know we did that a lot, especially especially if there are, like, forks in the trailer or something, like, just knowing that we just got to stop, wait for the other person so we know which way to go or something so we don't get separated from one lift to another and then we'll just be more confused. But we did that for the most part, basically, everywhere we went. So always, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so so, and I'm trying to paint this picture a little bit. That's a bit um, to reinforce the fact that w- while I use THC as my as my as my 
middle ground is keeping me. And I really enjoyed it when I was skiing. It helped me enjoy the woods more. At no point were we ever unsafe, not talking about the parameters of where we were, what trails we were on, what lift we were going back to. We always talked about when we got at the top of a lift, we generally knew what trails we were going on, generally. Um, we never were every time because you had to have some fun, right? There has to be some wavering like, holy smokes, look at that little takeoff. We're going to go in there. But it was always what lift are we finishing at? So you always knew what lift we were finishing at that, or what s- station or spot you're meeting at. 100% of the time, right, Spence? There was never a question. Yeah, most of the time, yeah. I mean, think about him and I, all over Vermont, President's Day week, all over everywhere, never once did him and I get set, lost. And and t- he's, how old are you now, Spence? 19. And and where do you go to school right now? UB. You've, for people who are in, in another state, UB could be anything. What is it? What is that? University at Buffalo. Which is a Division One school, which has an awesome football team, basketball team. Do you enjoy Buffalo? Yeah. Diverse population there, right? A lot of international students there. A lot of skiers? Yeah. I mean, we have a ski club, but probably more than any other college. Uh, t- tell us about the ski club a little bit that they have there. I know you're not in it, but it's it's like um, where you can go different mountains, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, there's right? like five different mountains you can go to. Um, and I think like three days a week, there's a shuttle or a bus that takes you there. But even when the bus isn't coming, you can still go there with uh, the pass because it's like a $300 initial fee for it. But once you're in the club, then you basically can just go whenever you want, which is really nice. So, so that's nice. And um, we're putting this out there because uh, people that are new to skiing or whatever, college is a great environment to meet people socially. Now, Spencer isn't doing it really because he's just got so much going on because the dude's a busy dude. He's a, he's a finance uh, business major. He's also works at student unions, going to have a little leadership position. Spencer stays very busy. So I'm sure he could ski. If he could ski, he'd fit it in. Um, Eric, did you ski in college at the ski club? Uh, I did not. I skied. I did plenty of skiing. I took a... I took a semester off just to ski. I'd, uh, you know, Oh, define just, that. How old were you? Uh, 20. Okay. Where'd I was you 19 go? or 20. Um, and I just, uh, um, I just decided I didn't want to go to school that trimester. And I just, I just skied nonstop. Respectable. Nonstop. Respectable. Um, I, I, I ended up in, oh man. Uh, so we're talking 2000. Two two thousand three. I ended up out in Colorado. Um, uh, I ended up losing my job because I didn't come back soon enough. We were getting pounded with snow out there. Um, I did some wild stuff that year. Uh, it was the first cliffs I started dropping was that year. And like, I got two cousins that live out there, and they were just like guides. Like, oh, come down here, you know, watch for the trees to part, and just go for it. It's like, okay, cool. So I did a lot of cool stuff that winter. Um, no, hold on, we got to define this a little bit. Where in Colorado? What like what mountains? I mean, I want to put this uh, out there so people can go there and do this themselves. Come on, like, uh, um. Uh, Bertha Pass, which is the uh, Continental Divide out there, you got to hike it. Um, that's really cool up in there. Um, definitely saw a lot of neat stuff. Um, people's dogs are, are really neat. One thing I liked out there, you know, you're hiking up, carrying your skis, and you, know, you see all these dogs just running up, and everybody's dogs are hanging out together. And next thing you know, you're on a boot pack, and everybody in front of you just starts stepping off. I'm like, what's going on? And my cousin's like, yeah, step off the path. So he'd step off the path, and here'd come everybody's dogs just sliding on their backs down the boot pack, one after another, right behind you. And everybody gets right back on the boot pack 
back, keeps going up, and the dogs run past you again. Uh, 20 <laughs> minutes later, here they come again. Everybody steps off, and the dogs just go sliding by on a little luge run. You know, just cool stuff. Um, you know, birds that's landing on your ever. skis. Uh, but that's where I hit, like, my first drops in there. And I definitely put my face square into the ground. But we were getting enough snow that it was fine. Um, and uh, then, like... Uh, Mushroom bowl off the back of um, Vale. Uh, that was uh, that was uh, an eye opener. That's when like uh, I was told, you know, oh, come down through here. The aspens are gonna stop. You're gonna see pine trees, and then just like just look forward, and you'll see a break in the aspens, and just aim for it. And like I, I went down through there. I uh, it was like a uh, like my first twenty foot drop up in there. Um, I cartwheeled off it. I landed on my head one time coming off it, but we were getting pounded with so much snow um, that, like, you know, I was, uh, you know, nineteen twenty, so I still bounced. Um, like, I'm so jealous of you, man. You, I, I don't bounce anymore. Like, <laughs> um, so, you know, Spencer razzed me. So, what's your take? I was a wimp in the train parks when you were young, and that's why I didn't go. Is that what when you're I was saying? young? Or yeah, yeah. you were saying something really razzing me about me. adolescent mentality. Yeah. Hey, but what? A couple years ago, I thought I had a pretty good. We we had a fortunate day. You, me, and uh, another couple of years of ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago, Whiteface. It was me, you, and Connor. And I thought I did pretty well on a big booters. Did I not go over the big booters? A couple of years ago, you did well on a, like two big booters. And you want me to give you credit for that? Yeah, I was hoping. I, <laughs> Cut us off. I'm in a little credo. <laughs> I did, so did I go over like big booter, like big money bad? Did I go over a big money jump? That's all I know. Did I go over a money hitter or whatever you call those? I, I guess Saying you did on purpose. All right, so that's all I want to do. The validation that me in my forties <laughs> remember the biggest jump at wife, one of the biggest jumps oh, at Whiteface, right? I don't even know if you actually did or not. Well, yeah, I did do it. It's on video now. Come on, I'm not saying I was doing flips or tricks or anything, but I went up in the air, 60, 70 feet, and landed. Right? I mean, that's legit. I, easy with that 60, 70 oh, feet. Oh, come though. on, that's legit. If we had a tape measure out there, come on. Now, Spencer's good. Spencer wants to do more train park action. We got him a new set of Armadas yesterday for Christmas. So we'll spoil his uh, Santa Claus gift. But yeah, he had to see him and pick him out because I wouldn't have. Are you happy with the new skis? Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. What, where, where do you want to take those skis? What's your favorite trails that you, right now this winter? Like if we, we're gonna, we were talking about following the snow a little bit, Eric, and we want to drag you a little bit along too. So we were talking about following the snow. And this is important I want to teach too. There's a lot of times you can't pick which week you can go ski. You just got to go. Make the best of conditions and have fun. Spencer and I had to do that Presidents' Day week every year. Some years were great, and some didn't. Sometimes we changed venues sometimes. Uh, so sometimes we'd be planning to go to Vermont, and Gore had a great hit, and we'd be like, let's just stay at Gore. What are we, an idiot? Like, so it became, we actually probably paid a little more on hotel the last four or five years because we did that, right? Because we didn't get the hotel early. We knew it was the week. We'd go to where the snow was. So that's a, a that's something for people just to think about. Um, but obviously, if you're saving money, pick a place you'll have fun no matter where you go. They're always making snow at every mountain. That's the point in skiing right there, too. Um, you know, like, uh, sorry to cut you off, but... Uh, no, I'm glad. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm 36. I've gone through... Um, just different stages of my skiing. Why am I on skis? And, um, you know, I've been at that point where it's like, I'm here to be the most technical. I'm here to, you know, go the biggest I'm here for, you know, it's like, what am I focused on that season? And, um, the, even before my body started giving up, um, I started really understanding 
that skiing was all about this. You know, and I'm pointing at the smile smiley, on my face. Smiley face. That's what um, he's saying. And I was out in uh, Revelstoke, British Columbia, two years ago. And, um, you know, we were killing it. We were just every lap. We weren't even staying on the face. It was just get off and, and hike, drop off the back, cruise around, get on the lift, go up, drop off the back. And that's like, we're so focused on that. And like one time we looped around cause, uh, we decided we couldn't do it. We were going to go down the front and, um, you know, it, it was just this gradual hill and, uh, like three people went by and I could just hear him giggling and it was just like, that's it. That's it right there. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter how big you're going. It doesn't matter how fast you're going, how technical of a skier you are, how well you can ski this or that, what you have skied. In the end, it, it, skiing's about smiling. It's all, it, that's what it is, you know. When you're talking about groups of skiing, that's where you get a lot of that too, you know, and everybody just horsing around, having fun. One of my favorite trips was up to Tremblant. And they have this area, I think it's called the Al Sul or Lost Soul area. And it was like one of the first areas that was ever mapped out by a GPS, allegedly. It's the one big thing they talked about. And Treblon is up in Montreal, and there's two sides of a mountain on the backside. So I just remember going down in this area the first time I was with myself and my ex wife and one of my best friends and his wife. And they're just, you know, B level skiers. Uh, and I just remember hearing like 10 to 15 guys hooting and hollering through these woods for like a three hour span because it was snowing and about a foot of snow fell on us while we were back there. And, and the rest of the mountain stunk because it was all windy and this was nestled back. It was like perfectly manicured trails and we didn't get off them for like four hours. Like we stayed there. And I just remember I hooted and hollered. Like I got so much air and landed powder. You can't help it. I mean, when you can get in the air and know you're going to land without hurting yourself and you know, you're going to be able to, Oh, there's nothing better. <laughs> Unadulterated happiness. Spence, what's, it, what's, it, what's, your, what's your trail that you'd fall asleep to that you're like, oh, that was my run. Do you remember a specific run? Can't say I have. I mean, all those, all those runs, and if you skied, you know, all those runs that have those twists and turns like we were talking about at Whiteface, the one that we can basically turn into a border cross course just goes back and forth like those ones are the best runs to go down because it just the way they the way they flow with the turns and stuff is just awesome like at bristol southern cross gore you got twister um you know all those little runs it's new england style right because out west oh, do you yeah. see those turning runs like that right because it's more open bowls you got to create them yourself if you want to versus you're forced to in the new england style runs because they're tighter and they're in the woods so Gore, just so you know, Eric, I don't know if you heard this, but to last year before last season, they cleared out all 32 glades, the biggest cleaning of all the glades they've had ever in their history. So they got rid of all the down limbs, all the, but last year there was only, you know, a couple occasions where the snow was really good in there. Um, only once while I was there, um, but Spencer and I are chomping at the bit to get into those glades now, because that to me, those are my favorite runs. I love going through a, a nice glade where I can easily follow the glade when there's good snow and I'm over the top of the rocks and the roots and everything, and I'm just enjoying flowing going through there. That's that's those are my favorite runs by far. Oh, Spencer, those are the ones I love doing with you too. Like, give me those tight woods. I love it. <laughs> Spence, what, what's your goal for this winter? Do you have anything? Is there a goal for this winter other than to get in the woods or get in the mountain? Ski more than I did last year. That's for that's for sure. I only skied once or twice last year, so definitely going to have to get into at least double digits. 
get that number up. Now, are you getting your son your son out this year? Yes, or? absolutely. Um, we live up in Hilton. There's a, actually it's an old dump uh, across the street from us. Um, so at a, a minimum, I'll get him out. I'll probably get him down to Bristol. Um, get him on the little magic carpet to feel things like that. But you know, it's great because we've got this sledding hill across the street from us. So like any time, I can just take him over and just shoot him straight down the hill and like it's just getting him on the skis that matters you know and all summer you know middle of july like he'd be down in the basement it's great you know he'd find his ski boots oh look my ski boots he put them on dad when's it gonna snow and you're like yeah buddy on his own that's oh yeah all on his own and i wasn't even like you know I, i don't talk about skiing during the summer the way i used to um but uh yeah he's pumped so it it makes me excited too so uh that's definitely a goal i got to get both of them out this winter and so spence i want i want to get you have you um trying to get more people want to get their kids on the slopes what do you think you would have missed as a child if you weren't on the slopes like like what do you treasure most about having to have our trips? Like, did you look forward to every President's Day week? Like, from your perspective, I mean, just, you know what a, I mean? J- just the traditions that build off of it because, like, um, like every New Year's, J- January 1st, we go to Bristol. I mean, every time we go up to the Adirondacks or something, we'd find ourselves as stewards to get milkshakes. I mean, just a little traditions that build off of it is, is really cool because you don't even really plan on it, but it just happens. That's That's the best part about it. Yeah, I love that he says that because we did. Uh, I'd said this before. I'll say it again. After we left Gore, there was about a place you get stewards about at the midway point home. It was three forty-five door to door from Gore to my house. So there was a stewards about an hour, hour and a half outside of Gore. That he'd be sound asleep already. But I'd go there and I'd gas up, top off the tank, and he knew it was the milkshake time. And sometimes he'd go in and get them for both of us. Sometimes I'd go in and he'd stay sleeping. Uh, but it, what yours was just vanilla or mint chip, right, Spencer? And mine was a peanut butter always. Yep. Um, but he's a vanilla guy. I'm like, you're bland vanilla. That's his vanilla stuff. Uh, well, he wants peanut butter. Yeah, you were hating on me the other day. Oh, I love peanut butter. Oh, yeah, you were hating on me the other day for uh, being a vanilla guy. Dude, it's peanut uh, butter, baby. It's all about peanut butter. Yeah, Spencer's a bland vanilla guy. French vanilla. All right, so Ooh, yeah. French yeah, if you get the beans oh in there. Oh, my God. Mm. It's so good. Yeah. You can't you can't beat that with peanut butter. Like I just don't think you can. You can improve it with you peanut can, butter. You can improve it, but I don't think you can beat it with like a <laughs> like a like a peanut butter chocolate. No. I'm gonna love taking a trip with you two. My son will have someone to combat me with right here. I can see it already. <laughs> Eric's hey, eyes are sides. so wide right I'll, there. I'll Eric's sides. eyes just got so wide talking about vanilla bean right there. Like <laughs> he's the biggest kid ever. Skiing of vanilla beans, that's like vanilla's oh. <laughs> oh, no, so good. Every time I get coffee, I get like a vanilla latte. It's the best. You can't get chocolate. No, I don't get chocolate either. No, I agree. All right, so you still haven't sold families on why their kids taking, dragging them every year to the mountain, Spencer. What? Tell me some more from your perspective, like what you really loved about Gore and Whiteface. Like why is Gore... All right, so let me describe where I've taken Spencer. This might put it in perspective for people. Spencer's been to Mount Snow in Vermont. He's been to Okemo and Stratton. He has been to... Gore, Whiteface, he's been to Big Sky, Montana, which to me, actually, Big Sky, Montana is the closest top to bottom run from Whiteface. If we had made it to the peak of peak and done the peak run from the top of Big Sky all the way down, we couldn't because the tram was closed and we couldn't get up there when we got over there. But I think that might have been considerably close to Whiteface. But anyways, Big Sky. Than yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you. it would have been crazy. It, really it would have been, been easy. It would have been a test. 
Um, but yeah, we we might be changing our tune right now on to white face top bottom. But so he's been a big sky and Yellowstone with me. Uh, he's been to like I told you the Vermont mountains. He's been to a lot of small mountains uh, with me. Um, you know, six hundred to nine hundred foot mountains around New York. Um, so Spencer. First of all, did you enjoy going to Vermont? And let's talk about Vermont a little bit because I know where you're going to backtrack to. So tell me about your Vermont. Did you like the experiences uh, of Vermont? Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, it was nice getting getting out of like our home mountains, I guess, if you want to say that. So like getting away from Bristol and getting away from all those smaller mountains and getting a chance to actually see like what Adirondack Mountains look like. Even though it's not out west, it's still nice to go and get a more variety of trails to get really steep ones, but also still have that kind of family-friendly kind of uh, feel to it. And then going out west was just awesome because it still had that family environment, but you could definitely tell you were out west. Like, it's still a completely different uh, style of skiing and just a variety of each mountain and the uniqueness of each mountain just really makes it really cool to go there and experience um all the new things that that mountain had, like compared to other ones that you went to before, I guess. So Vermont, what what did or didn't you like about the when we went out to different Vermont mountains? I mean, in general, I mean, longer drive, obviously, but but I know it, they're not your drive. favorites. I know they're not your favorites, so I'm just curious, like what you liked and didn't like, and you might not remember each one. I don't really remember younger. each one because I was how old was I when we went? Yeah, I mean, you were in your you know probably ten to. 12 years old, probably in there when we went. I was younger than that, that, maybe nine. Um, So, so for your Vermont, talk about Vermont from your perspective, Eric, because he's his base. I know he's going to say his favorite, so I'm leaving that for last. Vermont's nice. Um, Now, I'm saying this as a uh, Rochester native, a New York uh, guy. Um, You know, going up there, there's different people up there. Um, and that's really nice. Uh, the food's great. Um, once you get out of, you know, the, the main hustle bustle areas where you're going, um, it's just the atmosphere is great. You know, I know I'm breaking away from, uh, uh, good. We should talk about the stuff. No, you're good. But like that's, you know, it's a, a whole experience when you're doing something like that. The snow feels different. Um, you know, just everything. The trees are different. The views different. And uh, you know, who are you up there with? What are you doing? Um, and you know, you're getting more than you can usually get around here. And uh, you know, it's a good time. You know, I've had some. Uh, you know, one of the best stories I could ever tell was uh, a Vermont trip. So, you know, bring it on. Come yeah. On. <laughs> oh God, I. Uh, I went up alone. I met up with my buddy Kieran. Uh, bless that kid. So I hit up, uh, I hit up Snow Ridge, um, which is on the backside of Tug Hill. A uh, little, little place. Um, we had just gotten pounded with snow, and I, uh, I loaded the car up. I was uh, in a little Subaru Outback, and and I, uh, so I went up to Snow Ridge. Ended up uh, over by the uh, rope tow and. Um, Got up uh, into some areas you had to hike through, met up with some local guys, and uh, just started shredding. Um, and I made some beautiful turns, beautiful turns up in there um, on this tiny little place. Uh, skied that. Turin, New York. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, Wait, I, I got to stop you, because my best day last year was that same place. Really? And this is my shameless plug. It's not a shameless plug. Brian Lane 
ski videos on YouTube. I have a 20, or I'm sorry, 31 second video on Kuristan. My last run at Snow Ridge was yeah. chasing two white-tailed, white-tailed deer <laughs> down the trail. The trail had been closed all day, and I skied with those same locals that you shredded with. I skied with them, including Mike, who cuts the trails there regularly still. Okay, There's the same core group of guys that you were skiing with that day are still there. We're there last year. I skied with them. They basically, I met them in the first run, hung out with them all day. They took me out every run through the woods, down at, you know, nice. where the bowl was back there yeah. where you went? I'm so glad you it's brought a, that up. Yeah, it's a yeah. great little Please place. Please go to Snow Ridge, everybody. It's the best hideaway. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's tiny, but it's it's beautiful. Um, and it's that hometown feeling, man. It is great. Uh, just old, like you feel like you're stepping into the '80s. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, my uncle Denny, who passed away this winter. Um, Sorry, Derek. I. Uh, I left there and I met up with him. He's got a camp um, not too far away from there. And I hiked into there and hung out with him. Uh, I mean, it was below zero. We had the fire going all night. I had to get up on the roof to get the snow off. I don't know. Anyway, um, just had a really good time with him. Uh, I love my Uncle Denny. Um, So I left from there and went up to Vermont, hit up, uh, was that Jay Peak? We hit up Jay Peak and... Just a good time. And then on the way home, I'm coming home, I'm speeding, I'm on the phone, and I get pulled over by a trooper. Uh, And as he's walking up, I open up my center console and I got some cannabis in there. I hadn't touched it all week and or all weekend. And for some reason, I opened it up and I pushed it down. Now the car reeks, right? Like, oh, man, I'm screwed. So he comes up, takes my license, comes back to the car, and he's like, all right, obviously you've been smoking or there is some in the car. I got to search the car. All right, cool. So I go in the back. He searches the car. Um, And I had, like, quart jars of pickled eggs in there. I had, uh, you know, bottles of scotch. And I had, you know, and it was it was funny. And and I've got, like, six pairs of skis in the back of the car. And the whole time, like, him and I just start talking, and we're going and going and going. And, um you know, realize how much the two of us, uh, have it in common. And, uh, in the end he was just like, um, you know, he gave me my bag and was like, can I talk about this? Like, of course, know, please. Um, this is he, what the uh, podcast is about. Yeah. Man, so please. he like, he gave Wait, me my bag. Give us a sound effect for that. Can he talk about this? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he gave me my bag and he was like, here, man, like just go over here. And he actually moved me to where the camera of his car couldn't see. He was like, just knock this out on the ground. And so I did that. And as I'm doing it, I hear my pipe on the side of the car. Tink, tink, tink. And I'm like, oh no, here it comes. Here it comes. Like waiting for that crack. And um, he got it empty. And he's like, all right, well, I emptied your pipe out. I'm just going to stick it in this pocket of the duffel bag. And stuck it in my bag, gave me everything. I was speeding. I was on the phone. I had weed on me. And um, he took me over back behind his squad car, and we talked about skiing for like another 15 minutes, shook hands, and I went home. <laughs> That's a human being. Yeah. you weren't doing anything on the road. Uh, obviously, maybe, you're, maybe you were unsafe, so if someone popped in front of you, maybe you wouldn't react quick enough. But other than that, you weren't unsafe. You were in control. That's no. the way it should have been handled. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. 
<laughs> and it you made like a friend. A perfect, yeah, it was like a perfect ending to a, a just what was an amazing trip already. And that's why ski trips are the best. Spencer, do you remember when we one night we cut through from Whiteface to Gore, the back roads? This is one of my favorite ski trip moment. Do you remember what we saw on the road? We saw it was either like a what do we think it was? Bobcat. We thought it was a bobcat. We the, thought it was fox bot. We thought it was like twenty different things at first. But you saw clearly. What, what, you saw clearly. What? What? I agree with your opinion. What did you think it was that we saw? I had no idea. I thought it was like a bobcat or something. So we're we're we we picked like one of the most. We wanted the quickest, like as the crow flies route from Whiteface to Gore, and we took this back road. Was to that where, a good decision in the end? Yeah, because we saw a bobcat in the middle. <laughs> so basically, it was three or four feet of snow, and we took like a corner route from the route to where we were staying, and it kind of cut off a good portion. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't unsafe for, it was an open highway. It wasn't like one of those closed highways for the winter. I made sure it was that, but the snow banks were like three foot high on either side. It was after a great snow. We were going down this really good snow. I think it was about three years ago, four years ago. It was very recent because it was in my Elantra that I have now. And me and Spencer and a a buddy of mine, it was Ray, right? Was it Ray in the car with us? Yeah. Yeah, we had done Saranac Lake. We did a full loop. So we did Saranac and Whiteface, and then we were going down. That was when we did the video in front of Saranac, and he, he ice skated on the ice skating rink at Whiteface. He's done that a couple times. Not at Whiteface, excuse me, Lake Placid. Right up at Lake Placid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah so you yeah. got to have your kids do that, by the way. Hey, if you go to Lake Placid, <laughs> my son has uh, – um, we haven't done the bobsleds or any of that, but he has uh, skated on the rink in front of the high school, and that's the official rink that they did the skating on, the speed skating in 1980. So anyway, so we made the circle around, and here we are going down the road, and we see it had it was a bobcat. The tail was long; it had been over two feet to tail. So it was a fox, and it it was going on the road. And then as it got into our lights, it made the shift left hand turn off the road. But it was hopping in front of us. It was cool. One of the coolest things ever on a ski trip happened on a ski trip. Any stories stand out for you on our ski trip, Spence? When you hurt your knee, um, that was the scariest I mean, moment. To be honest, Tell, you remember what glade that was? No, Taos glade. Taos, yeah, yeah. Our fa- one of our favorite glades, right? When you were young. <laughs> yeah, how well can you ski on one ski, right? <laughs> I w- that was one of those days, <laughs> dude. I if I didn't have cannabis, I wouldn't have skied the next day. Nah. This is my. This is my. This is what happened, Spencer. What happened that day? You see, we were at Taos glade. It was uh, foot snow, right? It was powder. You're the one who got hurt. You tell it. Okay. <laughs> he was, was in front of you, so, so you, me, you, you can and, tell better than I could. So it was myself and you and my cousin Jason, right? Yeah. The three of us. And we were going through a Taos Glade, which is like um, a green to blue. It's a blue squared glade. Not very steep pitch, just with, in a creek bed, basically. Pretty opened up. But there was a good amount of snow, foot, foot and a half. And uh, Spencer was leading through through the glade, so he was cooking. He's fast in the glade. Spencer's fast in the trees. Uh, so he's ahead of me, and my cousin was next to me, and I came down to shift from a higher set of where the land was up, going down to the lower part, and my ski caught in, and my whole body rolled over my knee. My knee. So I was actually, like, turned, my knee was turned around, like, almost, yeah, exactly, like, rolled over, like, about 180 degrees. And, like, my cousin, I had to pop, my cousin had to pop off the back of my ski, right, because you were past. My cousin had to pop off the back of my ski, and I actually had to roll my leg, ski boot, out of the snow back over to get my leg right side i thought i had broken something torn acl mcl something and something i don't know how my meniscus so that was halfway through the day i finished up the day and i went back to the hotel and put my knee up 
elevated it all night. I slept on the ground um, with a pillow with my knee elevated all night. I definitely smoked. I was smoking the minute I got off that mountain. To I was high when it happened, got high afterwards. Next day, I thought I was out. I thought it was going to be Jason and Spencer alone on the mountain. Like, we were talking about it. Like, it's just going to be you two. You know, I'll get, I'll drive you guys there, and I'll hang out in the lodge. Like, that was how we were talking. Yeah, I was back on the mountain, skied all next day. Not a freaking pain on my in my knee. It's a good anti-inflammatory. Seriously. It didn't end <laughs> having it elevated, and I iced it all night. And then um, I took a nice hot shower in the morning to warm it up. And I was a little bit nervous because I didn't feel any pain, right? Was Spencer, is any part of that story untrue other than he didn't know about the pot smoking because I didn't do it? He didn't see me ever smoking pot on our trip. Unless, I don't know, Spencer, did you ever see me smoking? I, I, so just for the record, this is, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying in general, I loved being high when I was skiing. So generally speaking, when I was on the mountain, even with my son, and if it was two of us, 90% of the time I was high. Spencer, did you ever see me smoking pot skiing? Truly, truth. Skiing, not as much, not as much as um, I do. Like within the last two years is when I kind of more started noticing it. Because obviously, when I was like more younger, I didn't even realize that you uh, that you did it or that he always smelled like the uh, art yeah. teacher's room. I mean, we were out outdoors. I, hit, I always so hit it that. Smell like pine trees. I always hit cover ups. Yeah, but I I think I noticed it more in hiking rather than skiing. But yeah, I really didn't notice it that much during the our ski trips and everything, which is I mean, I didn't care either way, but yeah. And do you remember how old was it when we talked about it the first time or I totally or told you that I did it? Cuz I've mm-hmm. always told people it was young, right? Let me Yeah, I mean, it was young. I don't remember what what age it was. Um and and you were always comfortable around it, right? Because obviously this part of this podcast is is cannabis and exercise. So you know that's one of the reasons why I brought my son on was to get his opinion of being around me. And did he feel like I was, you know, there's a there's a big stigma out there that if you're a pot smoker, you're you can't be a good parent, you can't take care of business, you can't be an athlete, you can't have a good career, you can't have a good life because pot is all this anti all of that, right? Yeah, alcohol is great. Everybody needs a glass of wine. Everybody needs a beer. Eric, is is that generally, am I the only one seeing society like that's how it's been over the last 30 years? I know it's changing now, but over the last 30, 40 years in our lifetime, explain how you think it's viewed as if you're a parent who smokes pot. I mean, Uh, your parents didn't or did they? I don't know. Uh, my parents did not, from uh, from my view, did, um, did, you know. Did uh, they did, were they for you or against you using? Uh, they were definitely uh, forgiving or turning a blind eye. Um, uh, maybe didn't necessarily know. Uh, now I did start the store four years ago, so that was kind of like a big coming out. Oh, Eric's owning the bong store, you know. <laughs> um, but like the uh, the stigma's changed a lot since then, um, and I'm definitely open to it. Uh, usually, I uh, I'm more talking about CBD than anything. Um, and uh, that's how I can be very open about it because usually I'm talking about CBD. Um, but yeah, you know, it's weird. Um, since opening the store, I've been on a completely different side of society, I feel like, where everybody knows, everybody is open to me about how they are. Um, and I see more people that do than don't now just because of it. Um, but I, you know, when, you know, 
obviously I don't think it's bad, but you know, should we as a society or how does society think about it? I like when I say what I said earlier about like people being okay with alcohol being legal, but like if I think of damn near every bad thing I've done in my life, it was dealing with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And like, I just don't understand the stigma and it's how like, you know, Back in what the fifties, sixties, like uh, you know, Pineapple Express, item number nine. You know, they shoot the guys. You know, it's just like I, uh, I don't know. I'm drifting now. I'm drifting. Uh, but <laughs> I, like, I think it's, it's every everybody needs to use it properly for themselves. And you are uh, you are almost a pseudo pharmacist. You're not because you're just trying to give people uh, what you know as far as your information you know about CBD because a lot of them are coming into you not knowing anything. So so like like we've been talking about, it's, it's CBD, it's THC, it's figuring out what's right with their body. Not everybody's good high THC. Yeah, that's actually been uh, one of the most amazing parts about the store. Um, you know, we started it for a super uh, certain reason, um, but then as time goes on and the knowledge of CBD grows, the more I can teach people and the more like sometimes I feel like I'm a doctor or a therapist. You know, when we get people walking into our store that you would never expect walking into a head shop, you know, um, uh, seniors and, you know, you got people coming in talking about their autistic child. And, you know, now it's like, I got people coming in talking about their dogs. Like, well, what are you trying to do? You know? And that's the big thing. You know, what do you know about, uh, cannabidiol? You know, have you used it before? You know, what have you used? What are you trying to do? And then just talking them through stuff and just educating people. And it's been, it's, it, how did it, you gain the the research? I mean, how how have you gained your knowledge? I apologize. I've, I've, um, yeah. Now, we so we started November fourteen. Um, met a guy who I'm still in contact with, um, and uh, you know he got me on it. You know, you should have this in your store. I'm like, okay, you know, and back then it was like the hardest sell. I say back then four years ago. You know, and people are like, why would I want that? I don't get high off it. Like, you know, people oh, didn't that's really common. That's common. Yeah, yes. I can't, um, I'm not. I don't get high. Or, or I, no, I don't want to do that because I didn't like it when I was in college. You know, I, I didn't yeah, like what yeah. it did to me because for some people, high THC made made them paranoid and and don't doesn't react well to them. Well, I could, yeah, I could. That'd be a whole nother tangent I could go yeah, off yeah, on. Of course, um, but. uh you know, from there, I, uh, you know, I would do reading and I would do a lot of testing and just try to like understand what was going on. And I could like really see how this was making a difference. And, um, you know, I, that's when I started playing with it. You know, I started buying isolates, I, uh, concentrates and this and that, and what could I do with it? And, uh, you know, so a lot of my learning has been hands-on as far as like product development and testing, um, you know, what works better, what doesn't, what affects you differently. Um, and just, to, I want to, I want to add to this because this is great. Autism is a, is a developmental disorder caused by a mix of genetic mutations and environmental factors that affects one in 59 children. And that's in the United States that we're talking about. This is by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The characteristics of autism are particular to each afflicted individual and vary across the spectrum, which means everybody's body's different, right back to that whole everything, everybody's body's different. Talk to as many people as you can about your body, from your doctor, from anybody you can. Unfortunately, there's no cure for autism, but CBD has recently provided hope for many, too many, for managing the effects of this disorder. Parents of people with autism, I'm not telling you to go out and get CBD right now and give them to your kids without talking to your doctors, but at least start the conversation with your doctors regarding CBD. There are testimonials all over the internet by, of 
by parents of children with autism who discuss the benefits of CBD, primarily its effect on seizures. The therapeutic properties of cannabis, primarily of the CBD, help alleviate some of the negative behavioral effects of the disease, such as anxiety and epileptic seizures. And that's what you're seeing as well, right, Eric? Yes. You know, uh, one amazing thing I said, talk about the epilepsy. Uh, we have kids that are just wheelchair ridden. They're either, they're either sleeping or they're in a, in a wheelchair. And now you start to see, um, you know, uh, you give them a little cannabis, you give them a little CBD and all of a sudden they're up riding a bike. Like you, you want to protest against that? No parent in their right mind, no matter how against it they are, uh, is going to hold that back from a child's future. Um, you know, autism, one of the hardest, one of the biggest hurdles we have with uh, autism is what will the child take? Um, he won't take a tincture. Okay, well, he won't take... Uh, Tinctures are drops that you can put on your tongue. Yeah. And, and you a can lot of them taste horribly. <laughs> yeah, very oily, you know, okay, so you won't take one in a in a coconut oil. Well, how about one in a vegetable glycerin? You know, not maybe the best option, but like it's a little bit sweeter. Change it. You know, will they take gummies? Oh, well, they can tell the difference between a CBD gummy and a regular gummy. You know, here, how about a sucker? You know, just get all different options. How can you uh, administer it? Um, you know, for people with children with autism, uh, if you're trying it and you cannot get it into your child, there are other ways. Don't give up. Like, you can figure it out. So, um, and that's with like the anything. The science is like, showing it. Eric is not just saying it. So imagine this, everybody. We're talking about a gentleman who runs a smoke shop that 10 years ago would have been viewed at as someplace where people with tattoos or want bongs to smoke pot or they just need some kind of paraphernalia. Now, what? Our smoke shop owners are going to be pseudo... <sighs> I love it. I think it's great. And, and anybody in this environment who educates himself, it's going to be absolutely better for the society. The more knowledge people have about cannabinoids and how they can possibly affect these diseases that we have tr been troubled with the most as human beings, right? And we're talking about things like, mm. you know, autism and, and Parkinson's disease and all these other diseases now we're talking about where you go right to their websites and they're telling us to use CBD. Yeah. And diseases aside, um, you know, our, our endocannabinoid system, like we evolved with this plant. Like it's, it's almost like it is weird to stand behind the counter and the stories after stories after stories that come through that door of how this affects them or somebody coming up and they're saying like, I don't know, man, I'm an alcoholic. Like, I don't want to be an alcoholic anymore. I hear a lot about the CBD. Like, should I try it? And it's like, yeah, try it. And then like, you, f you see them like two weeks later and they're like, oh yeah, man, I I'm drinking like a quarter of what I used to drink. And it's like, that doesn't even make sense. You're not even thinking like, oh, CBD will help you with your alcoholism. And it, like, it still kind of blows my mind. But like time after time again, stories from anything. Uh, you know, I've got this problem, you know, okay, try it. And it's like, so if it helps on all these levels, like that says to me that our bodies just operate better when it is in our system. Um, you know, it wasn't until the early 1900s that we outlawed it. Um, you know, over here, how did we use it before then? How have we used it, uh, all throughout, you know, evolution? Um, you know, it's always been there. It's always been there. 
through our whole evolution until the U.S. federal government took it away from us in the early 30s and all of a sudden cancers. <laughs> yeah, and that's when we started ding, ding, smoking ding, ding. it too. Um, oh yeah, that's a good point you too. You know, before yeah. that, tinctures were very big, um, cooking it, uh, you know. And yeah, hemp seed oil, you know, using oh, hemp yeah. as, a, as a base for cooking, yeah. I, I actually have raised the idea to a local restaurant owner here as of last night um, to try and come up with a recipe using hemp oil as the base for a pizza. So I'm going to now. For a pizza? Yeah, for a pizza. Is, do you, do, in your knowledge of it, is that even a reasonable request? What kind of pizza are you trying to make? You know, like a pizza. And where are you trying to use the oil in the pizza? Like for the sauce? Yeah. Well, yeah, because you know they do so, oil, olive oil and garlic. Yeah, yeah, white, making like a white pizza. Yeah, like a white pizza. Mm. Can you do that with hemp oil or not? Mm. Is that even possible? Why not try? Yeah. Yeah, hemp oil is mad cheap. Um, so, uh, Can you imagine? <laughs> I asked them to call it the Hempletic Podcast. They gave me a weird look. <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell everybody the other ingredients because I don't want to steal my recipe. Pepperoni, no, cheese. No, no, it's oh, yeah, be that's good right. You don't put pepperoni you. That's right. on it's a white be pizza. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. So I don't want awesome CBD. We're gonna have so we're gonna have Eric on again. We're gonna talk more about CBD with him. We're gonna talk more about fish actually and relationships and that side of it as well. But I want to end with skiing because we started with skiing and I'm a uh, I want to get a little bit more out because my son, we're not gonna have him on very often. It'll probably be next Thanksgiving that I can drag him back on again because he looks tortured sitting in the chair. But I do want to, I want, he still hasn't sold families. Am I right? Well, yes, he definitely does. He, he turned it down beforehand because I think, so at 19 it's years old, it's not for everybody. Is you it, don't no, need no. to take well, it. No, Peer pressure, no. I'm, I'm you not should gonna, try CBD though. I, wait, I'm not the person who's going to tell anybody what my son indulges, doesn't indulge in. Is it weird to see your dad's, now that you're 19, basically what I told my son was when he turned 18, you're a man now. I'm treating you as a man just like, men should be no kids should have any kind of curfews after 18 years old i don't care if you live in your parents house or not you are a man so i treat my son as a man as an adult in my household from the time he's been 18 years old so now i will do whatever i want in front of him because it's my house and i'm a man is it weird seeing me smoke in front of you now that you're an adult and, and i'm not holding that back i mean it's different because nobody else's parents is really doing that so you don't really hear stories from anybody else it's just kind of what you're seeing which is interesting and different but i don't mind it at all like it doesn't bother me because i know that it's becoming more of a normal thing i guess you can say and it's becoming uh, a lot more utilized than it was before so you've never felt uncomfortable i guess i'm trying to say have you ever felt uncomfortable around me while i've been high no i mean for the most part you can't really tell unless you smell it or anything but you like you never really act different you I never noticed until I really started getting older and I started becoming more aware of it. But now I now I really could care less about that. And it sounded like you almost could care less about it the whole time all along because so you've never seen my friend now obviously I've been divorced so some people might want to read into people's lives and the negative things and you know I got divorced so he must be an asshole. Blah, blah, blah. But but here my son has been around <laughs> me and I've been a 50-50 parent so my just so everybody knows I don't think I told this before but uh, when we when my ex and I got divorced, um, we had 50-50 custody of the kids. We wrote our own separation agreement. We had one lawyer, never had two lawyers. 
We never fought about money once. We've never written down anything with money once. And we have, a, you know, you have the arrangement where, you know, it's kind of a 60-40 split the way it went. Um, I never paid her anything for, for alimony. It was just for the kids. And she set me up on blind dates. Her son now sometimes thinks she, he thinks my family's his family, extended families. We have a very good relationship. Um, so Spencer is a product of that uh, relationship with, with her and I. Um, and I think that has definitely helped as far as letting Spencer and I have as many adventures. We haven't even touched base yet on how many high peaks Spencer has climbed in the Adirondacks. Like we've only been talking about skiing at this point, but Spencer is a pretty accomplished hiker as well. He started off with his first couple mountains were Blue Mountain, Goodnow Mountain, and then he did Ampersand, which is one of my funniest stories ever to tell about Spencer. Do you remember Ampersand Mountain, Spencer, when you hugged the mountain like you're a little spider because you were so scared? It was the first time he was above tree line. Do you remember that? I thought that was either on Giant or uh, what's it called? Um, Rocky Peak, the one next Rocky to Rocky Point. Rocky, Point. Rocky Point's great. I've had oh, uh, Cascade. Cascade. No, that was on Ampersand with Jason. You remember? Not vaguely. No. So I brought him. I think he was five. And I, Bob, uh, have you ever <laughs> done Ampersand, five. Eric? Did uh, you ever do Ampersand? No, no. So Ampersand is um, it's a it's a not a high peak. It's like. 33,000 feet, 2,800 feet, leading up Route 3 going into the Adirondacks. So it has a great view of the high peaks from it. And it has a, no trees at the top. And it's very rare for one that low to have no trees at all. He got to the top first time. And he's, so Spencer's bounding around the trail like a little rabbit, by the way. He's like trying to beat us up the trail, down the trail. Like trying. Spencer, like he's, he's five, six years old. He's killing it. Like for a six year old, well, he's killing quit. it. They don't quit. They're great. No, Spencer would kill the mountain. Spencer is a mountain goat. Like on the mountain and skis or hiking, Spencer kills it. Like he beat me up Marcy by like 25 minutes when we climbed Marcy together. Seriously. Marcy's a climb. Spencer killed me up it. And I was, and I can climb Spencer. Like I was like, there he is and I'm cooking <laughs> and now down. I've killed him by the way. He didn't beat me down. I beat him down, but I'm better down than up. So anyway, so ampersand, he comes over the, up the street tree line and me and my cousin Jason, it was like, we were getting away from work and we just wanted to sit up there for an hour, hour and a half. Cause when you get to the peak, I like to sit there and enjoy it. Spencer was hating every second of it. It was a little breezy day, and he he was plastered like a spider to that mountain. Like he was hugging every piece of him. It was like a, a something that didn't want to get launched off something. A little small animal on something you're trying to flick it off your finger or something. He was like that much holding onto the mountain. Like I can't be blown off this mountain. It was the funniest. And now from there, how many high peaks? Do you remember how many high peaks you've climbed, Spencer? Twenty something. Twenty three. So the high peaks in the Adirondacks are considered peaks over 4,000 feet. An 80K 46er, there's technically 47 of them, I believe. Um, the Adirondack 46ers are an organization of hikers who have climbed all 46 of the traditionally recognized high peaks. He has done over 20 of them. Uh, he's accomplished this, dude. He's, uh, he, it's yeah, awesome. Man, good for you. Keep it up. Hit the rest of them. Yeah. Eventually. So what did you... Uh, skiing, hiking, aerobics. What do you like most about those mountains and being in there? And why did you tolerate me bringing you to so many? Sometimes I didn't have a choice, but um, I liked, for the most part, I liked the, like I said before, just the uniqueness of each mountain. Because some, like some mountains that we'd hike up, there'd be more of a rock face. Others, there'd just be more like a trail. But it was cool just... Like on Cascade, like we were talking about, like all that is rock face. And that was really cool because you could get like a huge view and it's actually like rock climbing, which is nice. And then we had like those ones like Saddleback, which was really rock face and really steep. So it was like, 
it was just a whole new experience. Like every mountain you go up and go down, it's just a whole different experience, which is really cool. I remember at one point he changed his tune so many times going through this whole progression of, so the first one he did was what, a giant? Yeah. Yeah. And he finished crying his eyes out because he was tired. Um, it was wet, mucky, yeah, snowed how old at the top. Yeah, please. Exactly. I was like seven. Yeah. Six, maybe. He didn't understand what emotions were going on. And it was like <laughs> snow. breakdown. Like on the bottom of the mountain, it was like all warm. We all had like shorts and stuff on. As we kept going up, more snow kept coming down and just kept getting wetter and just kept getting worse. <laughs> like it, it just got worse from the moment we started to get up there. And by the time we were up there, I was freezing. I know my feet were wet and cold, like. That was the first time I ever went hiking, so that was fun. No, it wasn't the first <laughs> no, time. No, well, it was the first 46 I did. First 46 I did. Yeah, let's qualify that. Spencer's been hiking since two year, well, one years old on my back in Maine, Katy National Park. So Spencer has been hiking thousands and thousands of miles of trails. He has done almost the whole Shenandoah National Park. He's done almost the Appalachian Trail through that whole park other than a 40-mile section with me and my father. Spencer's done over 20 of the high peaks. Spencer's hiked most of the small peaks up Route 28 from Old Forge to Newcomb. He's been at the beginning of the Hudson River. He's been at Rich Lake, Harris Lake canoeing. Spencer's an accomplished dude. Sorry. Giant Mountain is a very challenging 7.2-mile round-trip hike from the Roaring Brook Falls Trailhead. What makes it a good hike for beginners is that the hiking distance is shorter than many of the other high-peak trails, which is true as well marked it and maintained. The Roaring Brook Trails Trailhead is, lo trailhead is located on Route 73, about three miles south of Keene Valley. Oh, but we didn't do that to him. We did the round trip going to the other trailhead, so we did Rocky Peak at the same Rocky Ridge at the same time, right? Spencer's a giant Rocky Ridge. Do you remember what happened when we got to Rocky Ridge? Who we met the people? Mm -mm. This was really cool. So he cried at the top of Rock Giant. I it was not a happy day. Like you couldn't see any. Uh, sorry, uh, you couldn't see anything from the top. It was a, no view at all. So we had really no view going up. But going up Giant's nice because there are some views going up. But then we got under cloud cover the last third of it. No, nothing. So he's miserable. First high peak. I'm never doing another high peak. I'm sure he's thinking in his mind. So we start coming down Rocky Ridge. And there's this couple there huddling out of the rocks, out of the wind. And that's the first place we get out of the wind under the cloud level now and see Keene Valley in front of us and see how really the awesome view from up there. So we're looking south. And the couple pulls out a bottle of champagne. In cold weather, windy conditions, and Spencer's like peaked interest now. We're listening to their story. It was their last high peak. So uh -huh. tradition is for people who finish the 46ers is to kind of the toast it. So do you remember now Spencer's story or not? Yeah, yeah, it was in Rocky Ridge though because we were with Jason and them. And when we saw them, we weren't with anybody. We were just me and you. No, it was Jason with us too. Mm -mm. Yeah, because Jason had a cup of the champagne as well. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So is it? So you remember the moment? That's okay. You just don't remember Jason being there. Yeah. I mean, I was seven, so seven at the top. Of, was that his it. first glass of champagne? Or he, he didn't. <laughs> you didn't indulge in champagne. Did, but do you remember how that piqued your interest, though, that these people were doing that? I mean, I remember. I remember he he was young then, but he told he was really excited to see that. That's like, neat to see. On that was your first hike. First yeah, high peak. So, so, yeah. high peak. Yeah. so your first high peak, you see somebody finishing, uh, all of them. Yeah. So it's kind of a, you know, passing of the torch almost. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. It was cool just seeing um, kind of the end of it as I'm more toward the beginning of it because I'm kind of going through it, like you said, just miserable, having a rough time, and then seeing them being done with it, still in like the same weather conditions I was in, but 
drinking champagne and enjoying it because they're done and I don't know, it just gave me like a uh a different kind of attitude toward it cuz now I know like that it's actually like a real accomplishment like it's it's something that after that moment I kind of wanted to do because it showed me that it's not just like all miserable and cuz of what I already saw thought so it was it was fun spark cool an interest that exactly. leads you to the rabbit hole exactly i think sometimes people have certain moments that happen at certain time at, at, at a certain instant when you need it to to change your opinion about something because spencer easily could have walked off that mountain because we did the long route which is nine miles round trip i think uh, it's a one way not a round trip i'm sorry we did up one way we had dropped two cars so we went to a point to point because we like doing don't like doing loops we like to go point to point anytime we can just to see more of the adirondacks and more trails but the other way would have been shorter for us, 7.2. We took the longer route, and he suffered a little bit. Even though the longer route was flatter, it's a very flat valley out. So if you want to do the point-to-point from from Giant to Rocky Ridge, I recommend it. Doing Giant very fast on the way up. It's steep, but then it's a nice, easy trail out. And Spencer was sick. We got a lot of food him that night. The next day, he did Cascade and Porter. Right? He jumped right sure. back on the horse. Sure. He jumped right back on the horse. I guess. And we were singing songs about muck is yuck. Porter sucks with the muck. Am I right, Spencer? Muck is yuck. Worst part of the Adirondacks is the muck. Have you done the high peaks, Eric? No. No, I've been up and around. I haven't gotten too much in. Um, the way it's been in the past 10 years is more like, you know, we're up at Racket Lake every year, um, and I can hit, like, I can hit Blue Mountain real fast and I can get there and run up it and run down and get back before, you know, like the kids start going crazy or something like that. And so it's, you know, and for the last couple of years, now I've been taking them up, you know, I'll take them up like Rocky Point, which is like a 45 minute hike, uh, you know, but you can get all, you know, I've got seven nephews. Well, what do we have up there? One, two, three. Oh, I've got three nephews and my two kids now. But, you know, I can take any of them, all of them, like, let's go. And they do just fine up it, you know. Um, and go up Bald Mountain, you know, the little things there. Uh, but uh, there's no other real hikers, anybody who's really, like, gung-ho to do it. Um, I would definitely push my brother-in-law to do it. Uh, but we were out in Allegheny County one time, and uh, uh, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. I actually left him. He was fine um, where we were just kind of screwing around. But then I thought about it later and like almost panicked and went just running through the woods trying to find him. Um, so, yeah, so I won't push him to do it. I know like mentally he's down, but that's the last thing I want to deal with. Um, yeah. yeah, you got to get uh, in shape to bring out. Yeah, make sure everybody's out with similar ability levels when you're going to do stuff or make sure you watch yeah. out for the weakest link always. Uh, and yeah, plan your trips around the weakest link. Groups. That's the best you way know? to kind of plan things. And I, I do everything myself. So I got lost in the Adirondacks one time. I went uh, up to uh, Bug Creek. Um, just a little little walk. Went up there uh, early afternoon. Made the, made the trek um, and was coming back. And I saw this, uh, this path for like, oh, the... I don't remember the like lakeside lean to. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, so I started walking down there and it eventually turned from like barely a path to just no path at all. And I was just looking for that little round circle stuck to a tree. Um, basically a snowmobiling path is what I found myself on, uh, an unmaintained trail. I decided I needed to turn around, um, 
uh, ran into a porcupine. Um, then, so I started going back and I'm just walking and turning around and trying to find these circles on trees. I have no idea where I am. And I got to a point where I really, I was talking to myself saying, you know, there's a high probability you're going to spend the night out here. And, um, I ended up, I, I got to a point where I had accepted that and I knew I needed to stop moving, um, because how dark it was getting and how I couldn't see where I was going. And, um, out of sheer luck, I like walked another 20 feet and I found that one little path that got me started on it. And I got up and out and I was in the pitch black when I found my car. Um, and it's a good point. It's humiliating. It's a good point. Yep. So that's one thing you got to be careful in the Adirondacks is make sure you stay on the trail, follow the blazes. They're there. And if the trail starts getting into a game trail, generally speaking, backtrack quickly. Uh, it's easier to back up track back tr- quickly if you don't have a map on you, but always have a map and a compass. Uh, no matter how experienced or how simple your trail thinks you, it is one turn can, can be bad yeah. there. Hypothermia overnight. Spencer, one last advice you want to pass to either parents or kids about what would help them make them have a successful ski experience growing up as you, and then we're going to wrap up this podcast because you guys have been great today. Um, I guess I guess plan it out. Know where you're going, so don't just go somewhere uh, expecting that you're going to like know everything about the mountain or like if you're going skiing or something. So I would say do as much research you, as you can just so you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, and especially like knowing like the little places around where the mountain is, because that's honestly the best part of the trips is going, getting dinner after skiing and stuff. And it's like when we went up to big sky, we had like, we were dining and eating bison and it's just a different experiences that you get with it. So try to do as much research as possible so you can, so you can really just enjoy it and make the most out of each, uh, each like trip you take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to say like, you know, what are some of the best things you can do? And I can see it, right. Like, you know, the, uh, with you guys, the way you're talking about it is, you know, first of all, get out there. It's so easy to get out there. I know it's like a privileged sport, but like at a kid's age, kids ski free. You just, you know, just get out there and it's really not that bad, um, price wise, but, um, spend time with your kids. Uh, don't just send them out there to ski, go out there and ski with them, go discover stuff with them, you know, find those little jumps on the side or take them out into a spot that's going to, you know, scare them. I don't know anything because it builds what, what it builds between you is just a, a stronger and stronger bond. And, you know, when kids get old and they, uh, they move out and I've only got a three and a four year old, but, uh, you know, you like as a parent, like that's one of your best friends. You don't want them leaving. And, you know, the stronger that bond is, the more you're going to have uh, good relationships all throughout. And you can build that through skiing, you know, then you can just celebrate skiing. So. I'm sure that Spencer was glad to be rid of me and have his friends and wants to bring his friends in to replace me for skiing, but I'll never have anybody. I don't think I could develop the repertoire with anybody else ever that I had with him. So he's, he's my, as far as I'm concerned, he'll always be my favorite guy partner yeah. there on the, uh, and the one I know most, like I'll feel most comfortable with. Um, so I'm honored that he, he spent this last 15 years, 16 years doing it with me. Um, some kids would be sick with their parents right now. He still seems like he enjoys it. So that's a good thing. 
Uh, any other advice, Spencer? Because you've given a ton of great advice. But uh, in closing, it's the last time Spencer will be on for a while. Spencer, what do you think about the podcast in general and, and your old man dealing, trying to send this message out? Um, good or bad? Should I shut up or are you happy with me? What do you think? I'm definitely happy for you. I'm definitely happy that you're happy. You're doing what you want to do, which is really the hardest thing. But you just made it look so simple. So it's nice to see um, everything coming together i guess and seeing you so excited about everything so what can you tell people about not being worried about cannabis knowing now uh, obviously me being this open with my cannabis usage uh, for parents with kids or, or parents in general just people in general like have you ever felt unsafe or feel like i should have done something different with my cannabis usage with everything i did exercise wise and with you with all of our experiences you asked so many different questions there like what i don't know yeah, what no go with every angle you want i'm just trying to feed you i mean <laughs> You're just feeding me. All right. Um, I guess I never felt unsafe because the only reason why people feel unsafe using the product or like using cannabis, I guess, is really the aftermath of it. Like obviously like getting caught or something, but the only like people don't really get that cannabis. Obviously it's better than alcohol. Like, we have alcohol limits, but weed is completely. Ill. I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Like, I don't know what you want me to say here. Just, <laughs> just tell me. Are you, are you enjoying like, yourself? You tried enjoy- to end this podcast like 10 minutes ago, and it's just kept coming on and on. I love it. Like, I'm just going to put this down right here. Yes. <laughs> Night, brother. I wish Thank I you all. Separate, Jesus. Good night, everybody.